two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right, all right. Mike Rutherford Show, Friday, March 18th, here on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. We deserve this show. We deserve the next three hours that are about to happen. We started this show in mid-August. Trevor Kelsey and myself have been doing this for a while. We've had, these days have been few and far between, where there have been things to just feel good about for a solid three hours. And I'm so excited to do this. I, I, I asked a couple weeks ago, I asked Rashawn Myers, you know, I've got to do the tournament work for SB Nation. I signed, they signed me to a contract for a month to, to help out. Got to do that work. Would you be cool with filling in? He said, of course. Stepped up, helped us out before. He's going to do it again. I said, on the chance, not an off chance, but on the chance that we hire a new men's basketball coach on Thursday or Friday morning, yeah, I can't miss out on that. I'll come in. We'll do the show together. What I didn't say was if Kentucky loses to a 15th-seeded team <laughs> – with a peacock mascot, I'm also going to have to come in and do the show. That's where we are today. Rashawn Myers, uh, he's back again after yesterday filling in for me. Rashawn, how are you, my man? Uh, I am doing, if I was doing any better, uh, nobody would believe it. This has been a wonderful 24 hours. So. It really has. Oh, man. It really has. Like it, It's just, I mean, last night happens. It's beautiful. You don't think it's possible. It, even like when they're up six with, with seven seconds to go, you're like, yeah, he's going to find a way. I, I'll believe it when the final horn sounds. These Trevor and I talked about this a few weeks ago. Those are the types of games that Kentucky has not lost under John Calipari. They've basically been mm-hmm. upset-proof in the first weekend. The one time they hadn't made it to the Sweet 16 was the, the lost Indiana, and that was a 4-5 game. It wasn't a, a right. massive upset. They don't lose these types of games. They did last night. And then you turn around this morning, you get Kenny Payne. You have that wonderful just environment at the KFC Yum Center. All the former players are there. The buzz is good. The fan base is feeling fantastic. Oh, a little Jeff Waltz contract extension tossed in there because the rumor for the last couple of weeks has been, you know, Texas A&M is going to throw some money at him. We should be a little bit worried. So you get that in there. You got baseball hosting the number one team in the country. It's amazing. It just feels, it feels good. We deserve this win. We deserve this show. We deserve this day. I'm excited about it. Uh, Trevor Kelsey here as, as well, as always. TK, how are you, my man? You told me the Eagles acquired Deshaun Watson this afternoon. It would be like, it's like sports heaven for me. We know how much that means to you. I mean, that, and I know it's not going to happen. But then again, I didn't think St. Peter's was going to win last night either. But, you know, oh. anything is possible. Isn't that right, Kevin Garnett? Anything is possible. We're going to talk about the, uh, the the UK loss, the other madness that took place last night, and which is continuing to go on right now. But we've got to start with this morning's events. Uh, at 9 o'clock, 
the U of L Athletic Association board of directors met to board of trustees met to approve the contract of Kenny Payne. What if they hadn't approved it, by the way? It's like, well, we've got this celebration <laughs> planned. What the hell do we do now? Uh, they did approve it. It went off without a hitch. The contract, you can find it on Twitter if you want to look at the the details. I believe $3.35 million is the base salary, which, I mean, I thought it was going to be four. I said that the other day when we got asked. Feels like kind of a steal with Kenny Payne. But I think Kenny Payne's a guy who's he's made a lot more money than the typical lifetime assistant has. He was making one point five with the Knicks. He was, I think, the highest paid assistant in college basketball when he ended his tenure at UK, he was making more than all but like 27 division one head coaches. So, you know, he's, I think this is a man who doesn't need a gigantic amount of money at this point in his career. I'm sure he was willing to negotiate a little bit down to take this job because he knows U of L, the current financial situation they're in. Uh, Josh Hurd also said today the Knicks were cool with waiving his buyout, which there was one. We don't know exactly how much it was, but the financial details have worked out. But more importantly than any of that, I think the fan base just wanted today to feel good. It wasn't about the, you know, we, we talked about, he got asked the question about your scheme and your your offensive and de- defensive principles, the staff and all that stuff. And we are going to talk about that, but it all feels secondary to just bringing one of our own back, having all these former players back in the fold. Everybody feel, I think feeling good about the genuine human being that Kenny Payne is having no qualms about, rooting for him, rooting for one of our own because he's such a just wonderful person. Everybody speaks so glowingly about him. And then just the the authenticity with which he spoke today. No notes, no cliches, no canned responses. Just Kenny Payne being Kenny Payne, letting you know who he is, putting himself out there, saying we need this to be a joint effort. We need everybody on the same page. We need to work together. I can't do this alone. I need all of you guys. I thought it was it hit all the right notes. It made everybody feel all warm in their Louisville hearts. And it just, man, it, it just made me want to say, let's get this thing going. Let's get rolling. Go Cards. It feels it feels wonderful. I can't wait till we get to start talking about recruits and roster construction and all that good stuff. But right. for today, it was just about welcoming this man back, turning the page, starting a new era that we all hope winds up being the best era in the history of Cardinal basketball. Rashawn, your general takeaways from what we saw this morning. Well, you know, the, the, the thing that they talk about with Kenny and the thing that I've always heard about him is that he's a uniter uh, and he's a guy who um, is always has always been humble and selfless. And I think that really came across today. Um, And I think that was probably the biggest thing um, that I took away from his initial comments. I think he went out of his way um, to be gracious to um, his time with the University of Kentucky. And Mm -hmm. he made it a point um, to kind of talk about how not only did the people at Louisville and his brothers at Louisville welcome him in and really push for this to happen, but that people out in the state, people in Lexington, people at UK specifically, uh, really pushed and, and you know were advocates for him in this. And I think the one thing that I saw is something that I didn't necessarily think I would see or I really didn't think about was the fact that he's trying to heal the rivalry. And the rivalry for a long time now has been extremely toxic. It has been a very um, hateful rivalry. And to me, this feels like something to where he's trying to turn it back into a good natured, you know, still very competitive, still very, um, you know, get a dig in at your bigger big brother, you know, rivalry. But he's not. He's trying to take that toxicity out of it. And I think that's probably one of the things I did not expect um, to hear today. And even more so, I don't I think there's a legit chance that that could happen, like at least on some levels to where 
it can become civil again and it can be just more about um, what's on the court and not just the constant back and forth. Um, gotcha. It just, I, I know that maybe that's Pollyanna thinking, <laughs> you know, because it's been this way for so long, but it didn't always, it wasn't always like that. It used to be about purely the competition. You know, you win, you know, UK in basketball won more than they lost. Louisville in football won more than they lost, but everybody um, got along and kept it, um, you know what? What? What's the word that you want? To use? You kept Somewhat it civil. Civil, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's probably the biggest takeaway I got out of it is I, I really do think that Kenny's going to try to not only mend gaps between the eras of Patino and Crum, and, and now of course Coach Chris Mack's uh, tenure, but I think he's also going to try to mend some of those wounds between Louisville, Kentucky. I love listening to you talk about this, and then thinking in my mind about how the like twelve hours ago. I was looking at a tweet from some guy saying he hoped Oscar Shibwe had his way with my mom and, and all this stuff. I don't know if you saw that. Like all these people yes. have my mentions last yes. night. I'm like, yeah, we, you know, we got we got a ways to go yes. when it comes to making the rivalry a little bit more civil, but maybe at the highest level of the rivalry with right. the actual teams, the actual players, the actual coaches, this can be more. I can't. If I'm about to say this. More like Duke, North Carolina, at least in the spirit that it be, it becomes more about the teams being great and the games being great than it is these two programs might literally kill each other on the court and right. there may be like stabbings in the, in the crowd and all this stuff. Like maybe we can be a little bit more like that. I do like the contentiousness of the rivalry to a degree. Yes. I, I think that's what separates us a little bit from the Dukes, North Carolinas of the world and some of these other rivalries. Just because you've got, you have a different element with the Louisville Kentucky rivalry. Cause it's not just about the two biggest programs in the state who have been successful competing. You've got kind of like a culture clash. Yes. You've got, I've always said, there are two different rivalries within the rivalry. You've got Louisville and Kentucky fans from the city of Louisville who kind of get how this goes. Like we all grew up with Kentucky fans in our life, whether it was in school or in our own families or or, our friends and all this stuff. And I feel like that one's a little bit more like what you're talking about, where it's always been more about the games and and taking shots and just the the standard rivalry. Yeah, Good good, good natured rivalry. Exactly. And then you've got the Louisville fans in Louisville and the Kentucky fans out in the state who up until the rise of social media and the internet the last 10, 15 years, never really interacted with one another except at the actual games. And now that we have access to each other, you realize (laughs) just how hostile this thing can be because it's not just, I mean, not to get political or anything, but Jefferson County is like the one majorly blue County in an overwhelmingly red state. You also have, I think something like 79% of uh, minorities in the state live in the city of Louisville. Right. So that's going to create a different dynamic in that rivalry with people out in the state who don't typically see Louisville fans on a daily basis, who don't typically see uh, persons of color on, on a daily basis. And that makes that changes things. That makes this rivalry a little bit different. Now you've got Kenny Payne, who I think can kind of bridge all those gaps to a certain degree. And there is a part of me that doesn't like that it's going to be really cordial between him and John Calipari. Right. But I'll tell you this, I, and, I, and Trevor and I talked about this last week. All it takes is us to pull a couple of these recruits away, win a couple of these games that we're not <laughs> supposed to win, and all of a sudden that civility that starts starts disappearing just a little bit. 
But it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out on that front. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I think that um, that that was the first thing that comes to mind. Like, you know, I think immediately of Scott Clark. Um, you know, Scott Clark recently decommits from Kentucky. Um, and, of course, the Kentucky fans are saying, oh, well, yeah, I, I can see that because, you know, Wheeler's going to be here for a little while longer. There's already recruits there. Are they still happy yeah, about that after that, last that, night? Yeah, after <laughs> last night, they might be rethinking, you know what, Wheeler's too small. We need to get, you know, Clark back. Straight him back. If Louisville – snags sky clock because um you know i know there has been rumblings that there's a relationship there mm-hmm. um if something like that happens do the uh the bonds already start to get stressed it changes things it also changes things if he outplays severe wheeler or whoever they have at point guard right in that game next december and if Kenny Payne hits the ground running, first of all, we get to make all the great jokes, which is wonderful. <laughs> we haven't lost to these guys in 1,265 days. It's going to be all I, – I, I can't wait. I'm already going to make the joke anyway. Because, Absolutely. Because uh, have to. it's been a long time. <laughs> you haven't beaten us in three years. Um, but if he does – if we get Sky Clark, who is, I believe, right now the number 25 overall player in that 2022 class, and it's not a, a tough sell, honestly. Right. You say, I know we have potentially L. Ellis coming back um, – Mike James in the fold, you can play those guys off the ball. Yeah, li- literally the point guard this year's starting point guard is gone. He, you know, Jared yeah. West is gone. So you have a starting point guard position where L. Ellis was playing too most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that spot right there. So I absolutely think it's an easy sell. Say, hey, come right here, start it right away. Yeah. We may bring in some competition. There may be a grad transfer that we have, but if you're that good, you can win this win this job. You couldn't say that to him at UK because Severe Wheeler. I know he wasn't great down the stretch. He certainly was not great last night, but was a very good point guard for them for the for the most part. And you know if he's coming back, that's his job pretty much. Right. And, you know, there have been some rumblings that maybe Ty Ty Washington could come back. And I think all of that got to Scott Clark. But here, it's pretty wide open. And if you do get him, it's not necess- it's not like it's not like taking him if he were still committed to UK or if he had signed and gotten out of his national letter of intent. Like there was a we'll use the phrase. Mutual parting of ways between Sky Clark and Kentucky. So it's a little bit different there. But still, if you get a guy that Kentucky fans say, we could have had him, and he lights your ass up next year, Rupp Arena, Yum Center, wherever the game winds up being played. Right. That like that that's the that's the first story. That's the first chapter of the new edition of the rivalry. And all of a sudden I think that the the Happy feelings that we have, the rainbows and sunshine right now between the two programs, at least as much as close as you can get to that. Right. That's when it starts to disappear a little bit. But Absolutely. It's, it's going to be for sure interesting. What do you make of the fact that, because everybody I think was interested in which players are going to be there. Has he talked to the team? Right. I know they're on spring break. I know some players were out of town for spring break. So yeah, I, wouldn't read. I think there's only four guys at the press conference today. I know there were three. Okay. I, I don't know if there was a fourth that I, I missed. I know Jalen Withers, Dre Davis, and L. Ellis were all there. Yes, yes. Oh, no, yes, you're right. So three. And Payne said he talked to them right. before him, but he had not talked to the entire team. Mm-hmm. Do, do we read anything into that, or, or is this just the guys who are around are showing up and, and some – I I don't know who's going to stay and who's going to go. It's going to be interesting. I will say I'm personally surprised that, you know, I understand, you know, spring break, uh, you know, that they're heading to Miami. I'm sure they had those plans uh, well prior um, to a lot of this going on. Um, And kids at that age, you know, get an opportunity to go to Miami. I'm going to be in South Beach probably. (laughs) But, I mean, coming off the season that you're coming off of, um, you would think that you would like to be there and show your support. Uh, But I definitely understand that kids at, at that age, 
They aren't, you know, while this is basketball and this is life and death to the Louisville fans and media and all the older folks, for young guys, they're still living their life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so why my daughter's not not going on the cruise with us, uh, me and my son to the Bahamas uh, in a couple <laughs> weeks because, you know, she's like, Dad, I don't want to be on there with you. You're old, you know. So I understand that kids of that age group don't really want to hang around the old folks when they can go do something fun. So I understand that. Um, but I did – think it was interesting that during the press conference, um, Kenny Payne said uh, he wanted, he mentioned the guys conditioning and saying that I wanted a team Mm -hmm. that was in the best condition of their lives and to be um, the best version of themselves athletically to be able to impact the game. Uh, And I thought that was interesting because the first thing my head goes to um, is this this last year's team. Um, And and I really felt that um, just athletically, conditioning wise, uh, speed, training wise they were slow they were um that they were not in the best of shape and i really um while i love andy kettler and and, uh, you know it was awesome to see the body transformations of guys getting bigger and stronger and hulkier um i don't think it worked for basketball to me the whole team looked slow uh, on offense and on defense they couldn't stay in front of their man on defense they couldn't get by their man on offense um and their conditioning wasn't great. Um, so I, I do think that there's going to be an opportunity there. I, I don't think that those guys that were necessarily at the press conference are the only guys that are going to stay. But I am wondering what this team would look like with a higher level of conditioning. That's why a lot of the people that think, oh, this whole team's getting thrown out and there's going to be a whole new set of guys there, I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon because in my personal opinion, what do, do any of these guys look like at top tip-top condition? Yeah, you know, in a in a comprehensive uh, type of system. So um, I don't read a lot into it. I, I will just be very interested to see what happens once those guys get back and those conversations do happen um, to see who moves forward. I would be very surprised if there's only more than maybe two or three guys that are gone. In my personal opinion, I don't think it's going to be a mass exodus. I'm right there with you when it comes to the conditioning stuff because, like, it's cool that they have big shoulders, <laughs> right? But, but I'd like to see them keep somebody in front of them on defense, like, and also. Like even the the guys we have, because part of the problem was just some guys don't have natural lateral quickness. Right. Like we just had some, he had some slow dudes on the team. And even the ones who were quick, like LLs, like uh, some other guys, you could tell after a few trips up and down the floor, they just, they didn't have that same spring. They didn't have that same bounce. They weren't in fantastic shape. And if we're going to play, because Kenny, he did the thing that you have to do when you're in an introductory press conference. We're going to play fast. <laughs> no coach comes out there and is like, we're going we're gonna to grind today. We're going to fly around the field. That's the football coaches always say exactly. they're going to fly around. You know, they're always going to have those. I love, I'll give it, my guy, Jordan Sperber, who covers college, but did a fantastic supercut a few years ago of every new coaching hire at their press conference, about all of them saying, we're going to play fast. We're going to play an exciting style. We're going to get up and down. <laughs> Everybody says the exact same thing. You have to say it, though. Absolutely. Like, you don't. You don't want to be the coach. It's like, we're going to play. Yeah, you know, we'll be like the 150s in tempo. We'll be right around two. Pretty average. Try to play some games, high 60s, low 70s. Oh. But if we are going to play that style, mm-hmm. we got to get guys in Rick Patino shape. We got to get guys in, you know, type of shape that we have not seen under Chris Mack, quite frankly. Right. Because it was more about he wanted more guys to get bulky because he wanted to play the Xavier style. He wanted to do the whole, we got to get tough. We got to get. And. It didn't really work with the personnel. The personnel that we've had the last couple of years would have been far better suited playing the old Rick Pitino way. Right. We had guys who were athletic, who could score. I mean, David Johnson was – I feel like we wasted him having him here. It was just not a style that fit him. And if we're going to go out and get these Sky Clark-type recruits, these DJ Wagner-type recruits, hopefully in 2023. Fingers crossed. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's something that's going to have to be it's going to have to be part of the equation and it's no there's no way to talk about i guess kenny payne and styles and stuff without talking about uk but calipari especially when they were you know when they were good under him you know seven eight years ago <laughs> that's just you like that they were in great shape they played that style they were they got up and down they did the dribble drive now the, the one thing if there's one area today that i kind of was like yeah i'd like to hear a little bit more the first question did come from Brett Dawson, the Courier Journal, and he asked what Trevor and I were, t- were hoping was going to be asked. Tell us about your style. Like, what's your philosophy? And he kind of was just like, we're going to play fast. Like, th- th- there weren't a whole lot of specifics. The one thing that I do want to find out beyond the shadow of a doubt before we get to summer and before we get to preseason stuff and previewing the season and all that, please, God, don't do the dribble drive thing. <laughs> and we'll talk more about the Kentucky game next segment, but it's outdated. It's... Part of the reason why it seems like Kentucky's kind of falling behind where they were in the first part of the first half of the Calipari era there. Right. The game's just not played that way anymore. It's it's you don't take a bunch of floaters. You don't take a bunch of mid-range shots. You don't and Kentucky got away with it for the most part this year because they had the best player in the country at center and he can clean up a lot of stuff inside when he's getting a billion rebounds. Right. But the John Wall style, even if you have a John Wall type player, it's not the way the game's played anymore. People have figured it out. People have changed. We've got to get an offense. And the one thing that Payne did say was, I want it to be free-flowing. I want to be kind of hands-off once you get out there. The kids should be in control. They should be the ones making the plays. And that's what a lot of coaches have gone with with that mindset. But you have to have a set system in place that, that fits the modern game. You've got to have shooters. You've got to have spacing. Right. And you got to have at least one or two guys that can beat dudes off the dribble and create for themselves and for other people. Well, I think it's interesting because Kentucky, he's going to bring a lot of what UK does fundamentally on the basketball court. And what I mean by that is John Calipari, his only primary tenets as a coach, um, to me, from what I see of him, is that he's not going to sacrifice defense. He's going to make you play tough defense. It's going to be physical. It's going to be on the ball. Everybody's going to be connected, and you're never going to allow an easy layup. And that's the way they play. What Kentucky does every year, it seems to me, is they do a lot of practicing the defensive fundamentals and teaching guys to go hard, play hard defensively, understand the help angles, understand uh, you know what you want to do in terms of when you're going to help, when you're going to double, uh, taking chances when you have an opportunity to get a steal, Um, but not sacrificing. He makes that. That's the one thing I give him tremendous credit for is that his teams always play ridiculously hard defensively. That's why, you know, giving up 85 points to St. Peter's (laughs) is just – I, I, I don't know Did what happen? happened. Like I don't know. I don't know what happened. But that's the one thing about Calipari's teams is basically because he has so many talented offensive players. What he usually does is, I'm going to teach you the defense. We're going to figure out what you like as a player offensively, and then I'm going to figure out what five guys on the court fit together and how we're going to run the offense dependent upon what you guys like to do. And I think that's going to be a lot of what we see from Kenny Payne, uh, especially early, um, is basically just trying to figure out, okay, L, if, you know, I would think L is going to be back. Okay, L, where do you like to play? What, where do you think your best, um, you know, strengths are? Okay, we're going to take a look at that, see how we can get you into those situations. Sid, where do you like to get the ball? Okay, let's figure out the best way to get you into those situations. And that's basically what Calipari does. Calipari does a lot of, let's figure out what you love to do, make you really good at that, and then we'll try to add little things. Like we saw with Oscar Sheepway this year. Mm -hmm. At the very beginning of the year, Oscar was pretty much everything low post, 
mostly just putbacks, or if you're right under the basket, we'll give it to you so you can dunk or lay it in. But as we saw the season move along, we saw him start to move out, knock down the 15-17 footer, uh, being able to make some passes from out top and do a little bit of playmaking. And that's how we saw the development throughout the year. And I think that's what we're going to see with um, Kenny Payne, with this team, is that he's going to put guys in a position where they feel comfortable and then build out from there because he did make mention of you know, I came in thinking I was going to score 30 points a game. Mm-hmm. Coach Crumb said, I need 12, 6, and 6 from you. It was a good moment. You know, it was awesome. Yeah. You know, and I think that from a fundamental standpoint is going to – it's very simple sounding. No, you know, no lack on the defense. And basically the offense is what the guys like to do. I'm okay with that. What I'm excited about defensively, and I don't know if it's going to be exactly – because. Calipari's defensive philosophies, it's fairly simple. Like we're going to play tough man-to-man defense. Right. We're not going to help. And that last part is what I'm excited about because we have – we've played the, the – you know again, it's pack line principles. It's not a, a straight uh. pack line. It's the Mac line thing. But we – one of the things that, that the, the pack line does, you're trying to prevent straight line drives. You know, And that means if you've got a dude who can't stay in front of a ball handler, somebody's going to have to come over and help. And the issue with this year's team was – we had nobody who could stay in front of a ball handler. So you've got everybody leaving wide open shooters on the perimeter to come over and help and cut off the drive. Right. And we're getting torched. You know, Notre Dame's hitting 15 of 23 against us because we're leaving 48% three-point shooters wide open possession after possession. <sighs> At some point you have to say, because this is what Cal does. Cal says, we're not helping. If you can't stay in front of your man, you're not playing. That's, that's what it is. Like maybe we have to make a couple of sacrifices with a guy like Kellen Grady this year who's We'd have to have his offense so we can put up with his defense a little bit, and maybe other defenders have to be cognizant of when he's in an ISO situation. But for the most part, we're going to get you to a position where you're good enough defensively to at least cut off a drive. And if you're not, we we can't play you. I mean, that's been the big thing with Dante Allen. That's why, you know, Kentucky fans have been clamoring for him. We need a shooter. We need a shooter. He can't guard anybody. And that system doesn't work when you have one guy out there who can't stay in front of their man. And I'm excited for that because I can live with – you know, best case scenario is you find a rim protector who can help you out if you're getting beat on straight line drives. I can live with getting beat by tough drives, tough finishes around the basket. I can't live with getting beat by giving up a billion wide open three pointers, which is what we've been doing not just this past year, but more more times than I'd care for the last three years before it. And so I'm excited about that shift. I'd love to see Kenny Payne maybe do some of the the more modern thing, too, where you're mixing and matching multiple defenses, I think that helps, especially come tournament time because you're prepared for a number of different styles. But this is all stuff that we'll get to. I, I think for now, just the man himself was enough today. Just, yes. just hearing him talk, hearing Denny Crum talk, seeing the looks on the faces of former players, seeing that big picture with all the former players, and it was like a Where's Waldo puzzle. You're like, oh, my God, that's Terry Gibbons. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's Carlos Hurt over there in the hat. What's he doing there? Like, it was great. Just, yeah, like, going I can't, I can't believe they were like, Carlos Hurt's there. It's like, what? I did kind of do a double take. I'm like, he played here for like a month, 20 years ago. <laughs> but, hey, man, once you're a card, you're a card for life. So I, we welcome everybody back. I'm okay back. with it, absolutely. It was awesome. It was just a, a feel-good day. We want to hear your thoughts as well today. Uh, 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. 502-414-1450. If you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, topic ideas, hit us up. It's a great day to be a Louisville Cardinal fan. We're excited about it. When we come back after the break, we'll talk a little bit about what happened last night. I'm talking, of course, about the UConn-New Mexico State upset. No, I'm not. Uh, We'll talk about (laughs) Kentucky. We'll talk about what happened. We'll have a little schadenfreude. It's going to be wonderful. And then we'll get back into the Kenny Payne and Louisville discussion. Also, women's basketball, we should mention, coming up two and a half hours away 
Cards taking on Albany in their NCAA tournament opener. We know Kenny Payne's going to be there. Apparently, Governor Bashir's going to be there. There are going to be a lot of other people there. Should be a fantastic environment. We'll talk about that as well. I'll uh, take a break now. We'll come back. Mike Rutherford Show rolling on here on a Friday on 1450 and 961, The Big X. Welcome back in, Mike Rutherford Show, Friday edition. Hopefully your weekend is already off to a roaring start. If not, it will be shortly. We feel good for you. We've got lots of good stuff to talk about here. It is Kenny Payne Day. It's also Louisville Women's Basketball Day. We've got, it's also St. Peter's Peacocks Day. I mean, it's, it's a fantastic day. There, there's no other way to say it. We want to hear from you on the Thornton Sex Line at 502-414-1450. Uh, we'll talk about UK a little bit more in just a, a second, but I wanted to give the listeners a chance to react to what we were just talking about there with, with Kenny Payne. The text line, as you might expect, a lot of peacock jokes out there, a lot, <laughs> lot of St. Peter's references before we could even start talking. So, Outstanding. You can, you can guess. We'll let you use your imagination as far as, as what those actually say, but we'll read some of the text now here. Uh, Texture says, I never really was sold on K- the KP hire until the video of Crumb meeting him off the plane. This isn't a Mac Quote, this guy's cool wearing a UofL jacket to Louisville Live introduction. It's someone who has meaningful relationships within Louisville who makes it clear that's very important. I'm very excited for the next chapter. I think, Rashad, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that we, all of us, Trevor included, were sort of in the same boat where it was like Kenny Payne, maybe not our first choice. We weren't the right. on the bandwagon of it's Kenny Payne or bust. It's got to be this guy. Nobody else should even be included. Uh, we've talked about this a number of times in recent weeks on the radio, but you see today the upside of Kenny Payne, the, right. the positive. If you're doing the, the pros and cons list, I mean, which we've done a billion times, I'm not going to do it again. Everybody knows the cons yes. list. Everybody, everybody knows what's out there, the, the negatives there. The pros, though, it's one thing to say uniting the fan base, bringing former players back in the fold, getting everybody excited and reminding them of you know the best era of Louisville basketball. To see it firsthand today, was something else. I mean, I, I was texting with my dad earlier. My dad was a covered the team in the eighties and grew up a lifelong Louisville fan. And I just remember because I mean, I, I was four years old when Kenny Payne graduated. Like, I don't have those types of memories. Right. I, I don't see him. I've known him more as the UK guy in my life than I've known him as the U of L guy. But I just remember my dad the last fifteen years or so talking about how much it bothered him to see Kenny Payne on that bench. He's like, I. He's like. I, Loved this guy. He was one of the nicest people I covered, nicest kids I dealt with when I was when he was there. And seeing him sitting there next to John Calipari, it just it feels wrong. Yeah. And I think it was a sentiment echoed by a lot of people that are around my dad's age or a little bit younger. And seeing him back here today in U of L and seeing the effect that it had on people. I mean, CDK from Card Chronicle asked that he, he took the mic, 
didn't really ask the question. He just he got a little choked up. He got teared up. He's like, I've he's like, I remember when you signed here. I'm older than you. I've been watching all of that stuff. It's just so awesome because Louisville basketball is more than just the last 10 years. It's more than just the last 20 years. It's more than just the last 40 years. It's something that people in this community, they can tell you about the 1968 season if they were around for it. They can tell you about 75 going to the Final Four. They can tell you about the ascension of the program in the 80s. Like We all know this. And just to be able to witness it and experience it and feel those good vibes, that good energy, it it hit me differently than I thought it was going to. Like It had yeah. more of an effect on me than I thought it was. And I say this as a person who didn't really get to experience the 1980s. I, I thought it was just awesome. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I'm definitely one of those. My, my first vivid memories uh, as a young Cardinal fan were, was the 86 championship season. Like the Destination Dallas, I remember it. I remember being in class, my teachers being so excited. And I remember the game, uh, the championship game, very vividly. Um, and, you know, to see Kenny Payne uh, at UK, to see Milt Wagner at Memphis, like yeah. those things bothered me a lot because it just it felt like a betrayal uh, it really did um, because with what those rivalries meant to Louisville both Louisville Memphis and Louisville Kentucky um it just seemed like it was a betrayal. It was like, you don't do that, you know? So um, that was something that I had to deal with. Um, Kenny going to Kentucky, I almost, I would rather have Louisville opened up an assistant coaching spot for Kenny than let Kenny go to UK. Um, it was the way it, it felt to me. Um, so that that was something that was odd and weird to see. Um, but now that he's back, um, and especially the way he talked in such glowing terms of his appreciation for everything that those folks did to him, that's one of those things that, that helps you feel feel better about a lot of these things now that they are coming back home and reestablishing themselves under the flag of the red, black, and white of the University of Louisville, which is very important because um, we always feel um, in this community, especially with the uh, socioeconomic di dynamics of this state, that we all we got in this mm -hmm. city. And the 502 is 502 versus everyone. So when you see one of your boys from the 502 go somewhere else, especially somewhere where you had such a venomous and hated mm -hmm. rivalry with, it feels like a betrayal more so than what maybe it does uh, when you know one 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 Gerald Henderson go it goes to to or excuse me or, or Capel the Capels you know you have yeah. one Capel go to North Carolina one Capel go to Duke and everybody's like oh that's cute and that's great and that's awesome that don't fly with Louisville and Kentucky or Louisville Memphis State like it's just different um, so to bring those guys back home and fly them under our flag again it feels like a piece of you is whole once again and the thing that you see with Kenny Payne um, is how he I, I can see why he's great in a living room because you know he's very real he's very honest you know when he talked about standing you know having his son stand up and be like I couldn't be the dad I need to be for him because when you take on someone else's child, you basically become that child's father. Mm -hmm. Like that's real. And I can see how when he's speaking to parents in the, the homes of these prospective athletes, um, how that resonates with them. So like, all those types of things, the fact that now that we've been made whole again in the way that we can see how he connects and we can see how much it means to him, it just makes you feel great. It makes you feel good. Um, and and I, I just think that the healing that was done, that's why everybody's so happy, man, because I, I really do. I think that the I don't know if the, the like text line, if you agree with me, let me know that Milt Wagner Memphis stuff. And Kenny going to UK hurt mm. a lot. 
And and that pain had not gone away. That's something that even for me, it bothered me. You know, the DeWine Wagner stuff, all of it bothered me. So, I mean, it's it's definitely um, some healing and, and some everybody coming back. And then you, of course, with all the, the Patino not allowing the crumb players around, just all of that mess. It just felt like today was just an upheaval and an uplifting of a lot of stuff. So it, it it's just been just therapeutic, really yeah. and truthfully. I think for us as fans, and Kentucky fans, same exact thing, especially when it comes to the, the Rick Patino coming here and coaching. We have a hard time putting ourselves in the shoes of these people who are actually like they're in the game, that, that are in the business, because we look at this and we say, we think about our passion, and we all feel like we're all kind of on the same page. Like the players feel the same way we do, the coaches feel the same way we do. And the reality is, it's not, it's not right. exactly like that. So we look at, we look at a situation like Kenny Payne's, and we say, well, I would never go coach for UK. I'm a Louisville guy. I, you know, I, I get that it's a prestigious program. I'd go to Duke, Carolina, maybe Kansas, cut my, you know, chops there. But I'm not going to UK, and UK fans probably says the same thing with Rick Pitino. We don't care that you're coming back to coach in college, and it's not in Lexington, but you can't go coach Louisville. We wouldn't do that. And you kind of have to take yourself out of the equation yeah. and, and look at where Kenny Payne was and say, if he wanted to be, if he wanted to be doing the best he could for the the, the highest number of kids, Kentucky's the place to be for him. He went from Oregon. He went to Kentucky. He was able to pull in top level kids. He was able to revamp a lot of their games i mean anthony davis talks about how he still is in kenny payne's phone as i think baby deer because kenny payne was like he's like he's just limbs flailing everywhere he's got no idea what he's doing he made him into you know one of the best nba players on the planet one of the best basketball players on the planet that i think matters to kenny payne i don't think it's just lip service when he says things like that i think it is about the kids to him but would he rather be doing all of this at a place like louisville i'm sure in his heart of hearts of course like like, Mm -hmm. you want it to be the perfect scenario it just in business, in, in any job that you have, it doesn't always work out like that. Everybody wants to pick and choose where they live. Every, a lot of people have a great job, but they would rather it be back home you know, where they grew up or, or somewhere else that they would rather live. And sometimes you just don't get to pick and choose like that. And I think that's what you say about Kenny Payne. It's what you say about, I mean, let's be real. We know why Milt, why, why Milt went to Memphis for a, couple, for a few years. Oh, absolutely. We know. And it's fine. And if he wants to right that wrong and be on our bench now and have his grandson come play for us, I think we'll be okay with that. We'll let bygones be bygones. I'll definitely be okay with I'm that. I'm willing to forgive what <laughs> happened uh, 18, 20 years ago with, with, uh, with the wand. That was okay. You know, they, they, weren't even, they weren't even that good down there. That's, it's fine. We got, <laughs> we got over it. We're going to be okay. Uh, Texture says, Payne has taken the first big steps to ease the pain of the program. I think that's true. I, I mean, I think you've got, you've got obviously new wounds, based on the way the last two years have gone, the lack of success, the the second extortion case that we've dealt with in two decades, which is unreal. Uh, you've, you've, so you have some fresh runes out there. And, on, and some of them, Kenny Payne just can't heal because we can't start that process until we find out what the IRP is going to do in 2046 or whenever they come around to, to making a ruling. <laughs> but I think you still have some open wounds from the past, too. You mentioned the, the crumb players, the separation that existed when Rick Pitino took over. And I think Chris Mack tried at the beginning right. of his tenure to welcome some of those guys back in the fold. And I think they realized pretty early on some of this was just for show. It, it wasn't a genuine effort being made to, to really bring us back in. And then when, when those first two years happened and we had a little bit of success, like that stuff kind of stopped a little bit. It, it wasn't a continuing thing. It was just a let's get the ball rolling thing. Let's, let's make Chris Mack look as little like Rick Pitino as possible because at that point in time, it's, it's kind of what the fan base wanted. 
this is a genuine effort to right all those wrongs of the last 20 years. Not saying on the court, but off the court stuff. Right. Because to just, and this is where the, the complaints of the players in the 80s and even before then has stemmed from. We built this thing. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now if we hadn't come here in the 70s and the 80s and set the stage for you. Would be impossible for Louisville basketball to be on the stage that it is. And I get that. Like You, you have to understand where they're coming from. I'm not saying that, you know, their word has to be the end-all be-all, that we should always let former players just pick whoever the next head coach is. But they certainly deserve to be welcomed into the building. They certainly deserve to be able to talk and have their voices heard and digested and reacted to. And I think now for the first time, really since Patino took over and and Denny Crum kind of got forced out, that's going to happen. And that's one of the big positives with all this. And I think the text is right. Like, th- this is the first step in that process. It's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not just, hey, snap your fingers. We brought Kenny Payne back. All that stuff's good. There's still some fences to be mended. And also, I mean, you have to say, at the end of the day, this stuff's great. Got to win games. It becomes secondary. <laughs> not even secondary. It becomes a, like a eighth-level concern if we're not getting it done on the floor. And I, think, and I think you know, Kenny Payne's former players were telling the same thing. And that's what he said, too. He's like, he's like, I love that we're all here. I love that we're all happy. I need you guys to stick with me when we have some bad times. He's like, not when we're good, when, we're, when I'm losing. There's going to be some bad times. <laughs> Everybody loses games. It's going to happen. We're going to be okay. And we just need to stick together. Uh, Texas says, Rashawn, I'm about the same age as you. I think I was 11 for the 1986 run, so I remember those guys. And seeing our first UofL heroes go elsewhere hurt bad, and I felt betrayed, too. I had also been with uh, you, Mike Trevor, as a little bit of wait and see with KP as a coach. But these last 24 hours seem to make up a lot of ground there, just from the sentimental, historical, and cultural reset that we all need. This is kind of what I was hoping would happen when we actually made this official and we got to hear from Kenny Payne. You know, there are, I think there, it's still fine to have reservations about how this is all going to work. But I think all Louisville fans are on the same page in that nobody's rooting against Kenny Payne. Right. And I know he said that. He's like, he's like, if you're a fan rooting against me, like, are you really a fan? Which is true. Like, we, the, It would be so beautiful if this works out perfectly. To have one of your own come back, lead the program, not just back to prominence, but to an even higher level, you know, start getting the better of UK, start bringing in the type of players we've been hoping to see for a long, long time. Like, that's the, that's the dream scenario. Right. But I think it's fine to be a little bit of like, like wait and see. Like, like this is, this is great. This is awesome. Like this is, this always happens when you hire a new coach though. We'll have a, a different conversation when the game started in November. Right. I, I think that's, <laughs> I think it's fair to have that approach. Oh, absolutely. And you know, I, I'm an avid listener and lover of the Mike Rutherford show. I listen to it every weekday afternoon, like three to six is like literally big X is on and I'm listening to you and Trevor cause y'all crack me up. But one of the things that <laughs> you can say, apologize for the first time, every time I do that, it's your own fault. <laughs> Exactly right. Absolutely. No, man, it's, it's perfect. But one of the things that you always say is that this was like the perfect storm of events to happen for Kenny Payne to be the right guy at the right time. Because yeah. normally if Louisville's in a better place, he's probably not getting that job and not getting consideration because of his lack of experience and all the other things that we've talked about that would you know deter a, a university like the University of Louisville from making that choice. Um, but this is the perfect time for him to be here. And because of that, it allows the conditions for something special to happen. 
And, you know, I, I don't know, and, and there's no way to guarantee that it's going to work because we've seen examples of things like this, you know, falling flat on their face. Uh-huh. And we've seen other things like, I don't know, Arizona have a first-time coach be a number one seed in the favorite to cut the, cut the nets down. Killing it. You know, so, I mean, it can definitely happen. But I think that the excitement is there for just about everybody. Even if you weren't on board, right now everybody is full of hope, you know, and, I, and that's important. It's it's the perfect timing for a number of reasons. You know, one, the program's not rolling, like you said. Like this isn't Rick Pitino just riding off into the sunset of a Hall of Fame career and handing the reins over to Kenny Payne after you know the last four years. We've we've won two more national titles and all that good stuff. It's right. not so. It's not a gamble in that respect, or as much of a gamble in that respect. If if this doesn't work out well, three or four years down the line, you're kind of just right back where you were. Right. And you hope that with the NCAA stuff over with, you'd be a more attractive option for some of these other candidates that are out there. I think the other thing that makes it the perfect time is we're coming off the heels of a quote unquote traditional candidate that seemed like a, a no brainer. It seemed like he had a very high floor. Like the worst case scenario is we're going to be going to tournaments, but we're not going to maybe be going to as many final fours or winning national titles like we hope. Right. And he fell flat on his face. So. It was more difficult now to sell a candidate that kind of reminded us of Chris Mack than you ever would have assumed before, certainly than it was four years ago. I mean, we had, you, you know this, like we, we had people who were like, Scott Drew's not good enough. Like, just, just won the damn national title. <laughs> Has been in charge of the best program in college basketball over the last three years. And people ridiculous are like, thing. Eh, you guys told me the same thing about Chris Mack. <sighs> so you, and I, I, we were snake bitten by the Chris Mack thing. With that image, that memory fresh in everybody's minds, it was going to be tough to sell anybody on a head coach who wasn't Scott Drew or wasn't Jay Wright or who, somebody who hadn't won a national title and kind of made made you feel like it was almost a guarantee that they, we would be back underneath them. If you, I mean, even Mick Cronin went to a Final Four last year. Like there were people who were like, eh. I mean, Trevor hates hates Mick Cronin. Can't stand him. <laughs> there were people who would have been very very upset if we brought Mick Cronin here and would have probably not given him as much of the benefit of the doubt as they're going to give Kenny Payne. That also factors into the timing here. The unknown of Kenny Payne is far more easy to just, I think, accept when you had a guy who was was a known commodity four years ago, was the right. national coach of the year, and we saw what happened. I think you say now with Kenny Payne, if the upside is that big, let's swing away. If he's going to bring us these types of players, if he's going to have a loaded staff, and who the hell knows? Maybe he winds up being the best in-game coach in the history of college basketball. It's possible in this moment. Absolutely. Why not at least try? Right. Yeah. I mean, why, why not? I mean, and that's the thing that you, that you get. And, and, you know, I was always I was never and I had a lot of people on me because I was never a pro Kenny Payne guy. And I was not going to do like a lot of the shows around here and just politic for anybody. That That's just not my style. I, I wanted to just have I, I was pro process. Yeah. I was pro. Let's go out there. You know, do our due diligence, interview or, or, or shake the leaves to see who would be possibly be interested and figure out what the candidate pool looks like and then make your decision from there. And I feel like Louisville did their due diligence. They, they saw what was out there. Um, they weren't comfortable with anybody who that we, you know, I would say would consider better options. And so they went ahead and moved forward with Kenny. And that's the way the process should be done. As long as that was done. I'm fine with it, you know, and that was my biggest thing. And especially when you add to the fact that, like you said, the Knicks waived the buyout, you know, he's a, he's a much cheaper option. He came in at at three, what what's reportedly around three, five, which for a first time head coach with Chris Mack making a little over four, I can understand like that's, that's, 
reasonable yeah, um, for sure. a guy who doesn't have um, the experience, um, and, and it helps the university financially uh, because they're paying. I don't know how many buyouts Louisville's still paying on, but you know <laughs> they got buyouts everywhere for football coaches and basketball coaches. So you know, I mean, it's one of those things where it, it was the perfect guy at the perfect time, and financially, it made the most sense. Absolutely. It, well, my perfect weekend, by the way, just came to an end. I, I just saw that the text line wants you to know that Deshaun Watson, Deshaun is, Watson is now a Cleveland Brown. Yep. Wow. The Eagles will be fine. Poor Trevor. Hey, Baker Mayfield can go to Detroit now. Stop. <laughs> Stop. We don't, we're happy with Jared Collins. I can't even say it. I can't even say it with a straight face. Yeah, well, I'm happy with Jalen Hurts. No, excuse me. I'm going to smoke a cigarette because I'm so happy with Jalen Hurts. You kind of acted like you, you liked Jalen Hurts this year a little bit. You went back and forth. He was great late in trash games. He's a great backup quarterback. Well, there's, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> I mean, it's starting to say 18 games, though, I'd rather not. It's actually, I'm not going to lie, I was slightly disappointed KP didn't sound like Mickey Mouse. Okay. <laughs> didn't happen. Best he, day of radio ever. Oh. I've never laughed so much in my life. That was awesome. Oh, I mean, it was it was a valid concern. We hadn't heard the man talk. We didn't know what he was going to say. I didn't know what he was Can gonna we get you to read the transcript from today's press conference of his in your voice? No, I don't want to do that. Come on. <laughs> Maybe later. We'll see. Uh, text that I think before the hire, I viewed head coaching experience as the biggest factor that I wanted someone who could win quickly. After the press conference, I definitely feel differently and realize how important the off the court stuff actually is for this hire. It it absolutely is, and the I I, I feel like I'm a broken record at this point. The lack of head coaching experience has never been the biggest thing for me because, like you pointed out, I mean you you have examples in the past of lifelong assistants who have done well in their first time. Tommy Lloyd. The biggest example going right now, killing right. it at Gonzaga, or killing it at Arizona after being the right hand man of Mark Few at Gonzaga. As has been mentioned a billion times, Denny Crum had only junior college coaching experience before he got here. Right. My biggest concern has been and remains John Calipari doesn't produce good coaches. Doesn't. His coaching tree, awful to a man, unless you consider Josh Pastner's ACC championship last year. Pastner's the most successful coach he's produced. And he wears a face shield, looks like a welder. Great sideburn. <laughs> Kenny Payne's going to have to be the outlier. Like, that's still a thing that's out there. Also, somebody pointed out to me the other day, they're like, they brought up Ernie Kent's coaching tree. It's just as bad. <laughs> oh, it's, it's smaller because Ernie Kent was, you know, has, has been a, a less successful head coach. Not, not that he didn't have his fair share of success at Oregon, not so much at Washington State. But both these guys have not produced guys who have been big-time head coaches. So what you're saying is Calipari's due to have a good assistant at some point. Like exactly. right now, Kenny Payne's the, guy, the right guy at the right time. What I'm saying is <laughs> the difference between the other Calipari assistants and Kenny Payne is that it's becoming apparent that Kenny Payne won those games. <laughs> that, that Kenny Payne was the reason why the first half of the Calipari era was them being the gold standard of college basketball, to use the phrase that they always use, and why recently, hmm, I don't know. They've been worse than they were under Tubby Smith. I saw the, I saw our boy Nick Roush from KRC at 7, 7 9 every morning put out the stats. Since 2015, Calipari's numbers have been worse than the end of Tubby Smith's, the second half of his tenure. Wow, really? Which UK fans were so happy to decry. I mean, they went 9-16 and 16 last year. Worst season in this for the program. True. They lost to a 15 seed this year in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Haven't really sniffed a Final Four besides the 2017 game against uh, Carolina since – they lost to Wisconsin. In and let's not forget the Robert Morris loss. It happened. It happened. <laughs> now Kenny Payne was there for that, but that was like he checked out. It was <laughs> he didn't have Nerlens Noel to develop, so he was just like, whatever, hands off. This isn't on me. This is you. You you try to figure out how to coach. And that's how I'm choosing to spin this. He's going to be the best coach 
that Calipari has produced because he's the only guy who was actually coaching behind the scenes while he was at UK. He deserved those games. Those should be on his record. Wow. We're good. That's amazing. Spin zone. We're good. <laughs> We're good. We, have a, we have two more hours left. We'll take a break here. We'll come back. Take more of your texts. We didn't actually talk about the Kentucky game last night. We probably need to, to do that at some point. We have to do that at some point. Absolutely. I, we try to avoid the, like, let's talk about the rival and dive into They lost to a 15th seed. Like, people who were mad at me last night about taking a little bit of joy. If you if you, Louisville loses to a 15 seed, I expect it. They lost to a beautiful bird. They lost to a peacock, for God's <laughs> sake. We're going to talk about it after the break. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. I know, I was going to say, it's definitely not TK Fave. Why not? You don't strike me as a, because I'm a cowboy. Oh, this is, one of my, this is one of my go-to karaoke songs. I can see you karaokeing this. I can't see Trevor, like, really sitting alone in your house, watching old <laughs> uh, King of the Hill reruns with, with this just blasting. Ooh, I don't know. JBJ? <laughs> yeah. I want it, want it. <laughs> Dead or alive. You never stop surprising me. Well, I walk these streets. I load a six string on my back. Good Lord. I play for keeps. Because Kenny Payne is coming back. Very nice. He won all those games. (laughs) You ain't ever going to do, Jack. Now you're in trouble. Because Kenny Payne is back. He's a cardinal. In a press conference, he won. Kentucky got beat by the Peacocks. Okay, lost him there at the end, but it, I, I loved all the lyrics. I, I Thank lo- you. I loved where your head was. I'm out. Very nice. Very well very done. Uh, it's hour number two of the Mike Rutherford Show. We're here with uh, Rashawn Myers in studio today. Listen to him every Saturday right here on the Big X. Wake up 502, 9 to 11. That's right, right? Yes, sir. That's right. Anyway, a fantastic show. Love hearing sports talk on Saturday mornings. Also, follow him on Twitter, uh, R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N. The, 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 it's the first double A that always gets me. Because whenever <laughs> I try to tag you, I'm like, R-A-S. And then I'm like, I'm like where the hell is he? Like, I can't yes, find. yes. It's the, it's the first double A that always gets That's me. That's right. My, my dad said he did that because it's symmetrical. I was like, okay. It does look good. <laughs> it, 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 it's one of those things where you're like, I don't know why that makes me feel good, but, <laughs> it, but it does. It, it absolutely does. Uh, he did that because he didn't think his son ever had a chance to get any more A's on a, on a report card other than signing his name. Yeah, hey. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> it's actually the old Al Alanabi joke from Duke. When he said the only time I ever got four A's in, in Duke was when I signed my name. <laughs> so, yeah, Trevor, is, he's shaking off the, the, the shame, the upset. Uh, that he has over Deshaun Watson going to the Browns. Yeah, I kind of expected it. The worst part was, you know, then I go out and, the, and Troy Miles finds out like ten minutes after us, and he's just going nuts. <laughs> he's a Browns fan. He's rubbing it right in your face. Where was his love for Amari Cooper, huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Real quickly here before we get into the, the, the UK discussion, because th- there is a part of today's Kenny Payne 
Uh, festivities that we haven't really touched upon. Texter says, Kenny Payne was asked about his staff and if it would consist of familiar names. He answered, stating his plan to take its time and do what's best for the team. If you could add a former player to the staff, who would you like to see on the bench as an assistant? For starters, you know, we've had, this question's been asked a couple of times over the last few weeks. Who would Payne bring with him? I feel even more confident now than I did a week ago that Nolan Smith's going to be one of those names. And I know a couple of people have been like, hey, he's not, he's not coming. He loves John Shire. Well, <laughs> he's coming. I, I, feel, I feel very <laughs> confident we're going to have Nolan Smith on the bench, which is a good thing. There's been a lot of talk, understandably, about Mill Wagner getting uh, one of the other assistant coaching jobs. Um, he does have a grandson who's very, very good at basketball. He was asked about it today, and he was like, I don't know, man. He's like, he's like leave me alone. Like, well, what do you want me to say? Uh, but he also, you know, he has some coaching experience. So he would make sense, clearly has a relationship with Kenny Payne. I have also heard that Payne would like to keep Reese Gaines on the staff in some capacity, not necessarily saying he might be an assistant, full-time right. assistant role. But maybe doing something like he's been doing this past season or maybe some director of basketball operations position because um, I know Reese wants to continue his career in coaching. At, had since at EKU, had since at Bellarmine, now he's at Louisville. The other name, I mean, names have been flying around. The, the guy with the Knicks, whose name now escapes me. I should have actually had this prepared before I saw the question. Um, that name's been flying around. Trevor and I are both in agreement. <clears throat> Please, just just know Dennis Felton. We, I don't know how that name got out there, but – I don't want Dennis Felton coaching this program, uh, being an assistant on this program. If you had that third spot, and this is, we'll make this point for the millionth time, you'd love it to go to somebody who has some head coaching experience. Right. Just because, and I've heard that he's been open and honest about this behind the scenes, and he was definitely open and honest about it today. Like, Kenny Payne is like, yeah, I, I want to have help. I, I want to have help on my staff. I want to have help from my family. I want to have help from the players. I, we, we all need to do this together. Right. And I think even though he's had lengthy experience at UK and Oregon, two programs that are similar to Louisville and how I'm sure they go about day-to-day operations, it's different when you're the guy in the seat. And I think it would benefit him to have somebody with him who's gone through this, who can talk to him about the day-to-day stuff, who can talk to him about what it's like when a player comes to you talking to you differently than they would just like an assistant. Cause he's, you know, he's, he was a father figure at UK. He's going to be a father figure here, but it's different when you're the guy than it is when you're the guy who's right underneath John Calipari. Right? right. And so getting somebody who's been in that position before, I think would help him a lot. But the other two names on the staff, I'm, I'd be good with, I think the names that have been tossed around would all be fine outside of just film. Please help. Well, I, I, I think with the assistant coaches, and this is the one thing, like I, I decided today um, after the press conference, because I have heard Dennis Felton's name a lot. Uh, I was like, okay, well, let's just go see what coach Felton has been up to. <laughs> so let's, let's just go see. And, and this this is what I'll say about the Dennis Felton thing. Like that, he's definitely getting a lot of talk. And, and when you have somebody's name brought up that many times, it you know it's one of those things that it starts to be one of those it, like his name's been brought up almost as much as Nolan Smith's name. Um, so I, I like you said, I, I definitely it seems like the wind is blowing that Nolan's going to be a part of this. Dennis Felton, um, of course, he was at Western. Uh, we, we remember, uh, you know, that that time with him and Chris Marcus and, and, and all of that good stuff. Um, he had. Did not have a great career as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was with the Spurs organization as a, a talent evaluator on Pop uh, Pop staff for uh, three or four years. It was either 2010 to 2013 or 2011 to 2013. Um, but he was with uh, the Spurs organization for several seasons, so he does have some NBA experience. He right now um, is associate head coach at, I want to say, George Mason You're right. is where he is right now. Um, but we know so, why he's there. 
Yeah. Because he was a head coach not too re- not too yeah. far gone. And yeah. the players revolted against him at Cleveland State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. De- definitely um, not the best way to go out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, the way I look at it is like this. People seem to like Dennis Felton. Dennis Felton seems to know a lot about, quote-unquote, the game per se. So I look at it like, okay, just because a guy is not a great head coach, maybe he's a good offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, put in football terms. So maybe it's one of those situations where Dennis Felton is a guy who knows the game. Maybe he's just not the guy that needs to be controlling the big giant robot, if that makes sense. Maybe. Like um, I, that's that's the best way I can look at it because I mean nothing really stands out on the resume. It's not the worst resume I've ever seen. No, but you know the the one thing that gives me pause is how badly things ended for him at Cleveland State. Right, because you know Kenny Payne's message today, which I loved, was if you're a guy who knows everything there is to know about basketball, brilliant X's knows mine. You're a basketball genius, but you don't really care about the kids. I can't have you here. I can't do anything with you. And Dennis Felton, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to know the ins and the outs of exactly what took place up there. But I know that when he was ultimately let go, they had four players on the roster. Everybody else left. Right. And the four players who were there were basically like, we want to stay. We just don't want to play for this dude. And I don't know if that factors into the equation at all. But That's a good point to bring up. It's something. I mean, right. I mean it's, and this is, we're talking 2019. Like, this is not all that far. We're not all that far removed from when this took place. Um, Darren Ehrman is the, the name of the, the person who I'm also talking about. Who's, there's been buzz around his name. Okay. He coached, and I, I guess... Maybe this is people just drawing lines because there are obvious lines to be drawn. He was on the Knicks staff this season. He's currently still with the Knicks. He's from Louisville, um, was an attorney at one point in time, decided he really wanted to get into coaching. Right. He started his career. He's. I'll recommend this book again. The Miracle of St. Anthony is a fantastic book by um, John Feinstein about the Hurley father, Bobby, and the whole Hurley family, the dad who's coached that program forever until it closed. Um up there in New Jersey, one of the most storied high school programs right. in America. And Darren Ehrman's in the book because he has a he had a great job making six figures as an attorney and just had an itch, wanted to be a basketball coach. So he gets in contact with whoever he can get in contact with, starts going to these summer AAU tournaments, talking to people, winds up getting a shot from uh, the Hurley father and is like living in a studio apartment with one of the other assistants making like $5,000 for the year just because he wants to cut his his chops in basketball coaching. Right. Ends up getting a couple of low major coaching assistant jobs, works his way up. It's become a great story. It would be cool to have him here. Like th- That would be another cool story. I, I can't pretend to tell you about his basketball acumen or, or how good he is or what he actually brings to the table, but he's clearly done enough over the last 18 years to get a job with the New York Knicks, which is, is certainly saying something. So those are the names that are out there. I know Tim Anderson, uh, we, not the White Sox player. We mentioned him earlier today, um, uh, earlier this week. That's another name that's been floating out there. But would it be a shock if it's somebody totally out of left field who we haven't well, discussed? No. And that's what I was going to ask you because, you know, my buddy uh, Jeremy Wyman, <laughs> who's been very entertaining over on Twitter the last uh, few hours uh, after the Kenny Payne stuff went <laughs> final. He kind of went into his I told you so rants over everybody who gave him stuff and guff. He he brought up a name of some potentials that, that he was hearing on coaches. Yasir Rosemond. Okay. Um, who is an assistant that's in his first year um, with Mike Woodson. Uh, he's on the Indiana staff. Um, I believe pr- before that, I want to say he was in, with Georgia. Um, now, the last time we took an Indiana assistant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair. That is fair. That, that, that is fair. But that's the name that I had not heard 
Um, and Milt Wagner, um, which is what I think would be the best thing for him, would be a special assistant to the head coach um, as, as more of a role. I was thinking, you know, maybe president of basketball relations or something like that to where he's a part of the program but not necessarily in the day-to-day coaching assistant role. Um, but just because I felt that if Nolan was going to take one of those spots, um, if you're going to have your experienced guy like a Dennis Felton, like just let's just say Felton is the guy, um, then I thought that that third assistant spot needed to be like a, a super recruiter. Yeah. And Yasser apparently falls into that category of a guy who's a very stout recruiter. Um, and, and I thought that that would be a good spot for him. Um, but I'm I i, I be, I'm gonna be very interested to see what names come up. I had not heard Yasir's name before. I don't know much about him uh, outside of, you know, what I was able to look up on Indiana's website about announcing his, um, uh, you know, inclusion in the Woodson staff. Um, but I, I do think that Louisville needs, I know that Kenny's a great recruiter, but they need to get at least one more big time recruiter. I don't, I don't know much about Nolan's, uh, role as far as being a, a recruiter on that Duke staff, you know? So I, I don't really know what his experience is with that, but I, I figure that he's probably going to be the number two guy. Um, you know, he'll, he'll kind of be that Murray role, mm-hmm. you know, from the original staff for Chris Mack in that number two spot with that, you know, associate head coach or that veteran head coach is the number one guy. But that number three guy, rather than it have to be Milt filling that spot, um, you know, we want Milt to be a part of this, but. That ace recruiter guy, I don't see Milt Wagner wanting to go sit uh, at an AAU tournament at 8 a.m. No. to watch games, no. you know? Who so, does? <laughs> so I, I just, I, that would be to me a perfect storm. Um, to, to have that happen. But, you know, I, I, that was the first time I'd heard his name. But it's going to be – this is kind of the new thing now is everybody's trying to figure out who yeah. these coaches are going to be. I, I like that because I'm with you. I, I think that you need – and don't get me wrong, Kenny Payne's still going to do a decent amount of the same things that he was doing at Kentucky as right. far as connecting with kids and you know being that king of the living room when he's going on recruiting trips and all this stuff. But you do kind of need – your own Kenny Payne, like, right. like, like the role that you used to be playing. You need somebody to fill that who can be the up-and-comer, who can – because your role changes now. You have different responsibilities. You've got to be more out in the community. You, you've got to be traveling and doing different things. You've got to go to, you know, coaching conventions. You, you've got to be right. – and your – Kingdom building. Exactly. You kind of want to be the guy. You, you want to do what Calipari would do in those roles, which is the other guys lay the foundation. You fly in to kind of seal the deal. When you're coming in – all the groundwork has been laid. You're just there because you're the guy. Your presence is selling it. And that's hopefully what Kenny Payne can elevate himself to if Louisville's having the type of on-court success that we want to see. But you need that that, you know, that number two on the recruiting trail who right. goes out there and does what you've been doing at Oregon and Kentucky. The other name that has been out there a little bit was Jarence Howard, yeah. who I get why you would target. He's at Texas his first year there, uh, but he'd been at Kansas for a long period of time. The concern there would be, you know, we've got our NCA issues. I don't, get, I don't know if you guys have heard this. <laughs> There's stuff out there. Really? He was uh, he was at Kansas when all the, the stuff at Kansas was going on, and he was known as kind of the, the recruiting guy out there. So that – I get that NILs has changed the game a little bit. I get that some of the things that were not just frowned upon but were against the rules are now totally out in the open. It still is maybe a little bit of a bad look if you bring right. him in. I don't think it's, it's overwhelmingly bad, but – it's out there. That, that, that's a part of the equation. That's something that people will talk about if you were to bring him in. Um, Scooter Dingus is texted in. Indiana fan. Die hard. Just, <laughs> just says, y'all stay away from y'all here. 
<laughs> you know what? If that's the type of text that we get, then definitely we want him. <laughs> Let's go get him. <laughs> Texas says, Rashawn, Jeremy later tweeted that he was mistaken and that it's not Dennis Felton, but it's George Felton, the 69-year-old NBA scout and former head coach at South Carolina. Seems like a hot choice. I don't know if that's a joke text or if it's real, but. I saw somebody else tweet George Felton, and I was like, pretty sure I thought it would be Dennis Felton. Like, I heard Dennis Felton several times. Oh, I hope it's not George Felton. Jeez, Louise. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. That would be that would be interesting. <laughs> a lot of people on the text line are saying uh, John Beeline. I think that's, I mean, that's the ideal, the, that would the be pinnacle. Amazing. I don't know if that's even doable. Um, right. I mean, he seems pretty content to to soak up his all the parting of ways money from the Cavs. Oh, absolutely. And hang out. And I know that there was some I don't know how familiar people are with this story, which is weird because it does tie back to Louisville a little bit. His son, Patrick, who played on the team that, that played against us in, for yes. West Virginia in the Elite Eight back in 05, was the head coach at Niagara. Okay. Got fired two years ago for some drama that was happening in his personal life off the court. Kind of it, it had apparently a big effect on the entire Beeline family, even those who weren't directly involved like John. Um, so, so Patrick stepped away from the program. That gave the job to Greg Paulus, who, of course, was here for one year as an assistant in 2017-18 and is now the full-time head coach up there. I think that Beeline has been fine with being out of the public eye for the last couple of years, trying to, to fix all of this uh, at every level of his family. Maybe now's the time that he would want to get back involved in, in some form or the other, but I've got I've got no idea. I mean, Beeline was a guy that I brought up as one of the people that I'd love to see um, from my original group of coaches that I thought should be considered, um, along with Kenny Payne. I thought that Beeline would have been, been those. So if you could, you know, have Beeline come in as a first assistant, that oh, yeah. would be, It'd be perfect. a grand slam home run. Texas, <laughs> um, I'm dead serious. It is George Felton that's being talked about. Well, okay. yeah. Yeah. there we go. He's been a kind of coach before. Texas, what was there something that you didn't like about the press conference or something that was said that concerned you? The only thing that I kind of was like, eh, and this is this is maybe something that Kenny Payne just didn't want to get into during his first comments as the Louisville head coach, or maybe he hasn't really sat down and, and laid it all out, was just that the the first question about your style of play, your scheme, he kind of just danced around it and said, we're going to play fast, and we have to have guys that are in good shape. Like I would have liked to have seen him you know, say something like, well, we're going to mix match a little one, three, one. We're going to toss in man to man matchup zone with some man to man principles. We're going to have a you know, zone press in this scenario. We're going to, you know, continuity ball screen action and half court sets. Like right. I would have liked to have seen him get it, but that's because I'm a nerd. <laughs> like he, maybe he hasn't figured it all out. Maybe he wants to get his staff set, have a conversation about the best way to approach things because new stuff comes to light all the time in basketball. Basketball is always evolving. Right. And maybe pain, has always thought whenever I got a head coaching job, I would just do the dribble drive that John Calipari has made famous at UK. C- clearly had a whole lot of success there in the first half of his tenure. <laughs> and maybe now with seeing the way that that offense has not been thriving as much as it used to, seeing that the, the game has changed, it's gone away from the mid-range, it's more around the rim or behind the three-point line, maybe he's open to new suggestions. Maybe he wants to get a new staff that can – he can spin ideas off of and hasn't really settled on things. But that was the, the only part of the entire press conference where I was like, eh, would have liked a little more there. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that, that was, a, he was definitely uh, very general on that. Um, and he just said that, you know, the, the, as far as styles, you, he said he didn't, you can't really have a style with players nowadays because um, it's just kind of an open court game, which is an odd, it was an odd way to phrase that. Like I understand what I guess he was trying to say, but 
there's still, you know, some semblance of structure that, you know, you could have maybe gotten into. Um, but I think he was he definitely wanted to keep it general and he wanted to keep that message. And that, that was one thing that I think he learned from Calipari. Like he was definitely on brand with his message of, you know, we always hear Calipari talk about so not, it's not about me. It's about these players. It's not uh-huh. about Kentucky. It's, all, it's not about these players. And that was kind of the style that Kenny went with today where he just kept talking about it was about these players. It's got to be right for me. It's got to be ours. It's got to be right for the players. It's got to be right for the university. It's not about me. It's about these players. So he learned from coach Cal about that, about, you know, when I'm out there and I'm in front of the microphone, it's always going to be on brand. Uh, so that was one of the things I did think was interesting about that, that I, I had to have a little chuckle about because he was definitely in his cow bag. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was interesting that, you know, people who have covered Calipari, who also were watching the press, like Kyle Tucker, uh, Brett Dawson, who covered UK now as the beat writer for U of L at Courier Journal. Yes. They all of them were like, we're picking up on the, the Cal Perry manner. Absolutely. They're like, you know, he's giving a response and then he stops and he's like, ready? And like goes on. They're like, that's something that Cal Perry does all the time. Yeah. Like <laughs> a lot of the, the, the little, the statements that kept coming up, the, he would, the, the kind of quirks that he had were, were Cal Perry-isms. Yes. And say what you will about the man and his, his coaching style or hey, the fact that he just lost to St. Peter's less than 24 hours ago. As, when it comes to running a program from a PR standpoint yes. and communication, dealing with the media, dealing with the fan base, like, he knows how to do it. Absolutely. So there are worse people in college basketball circles to mimic than John Calipari in that respect, right. for sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of fine with that. Like, I, I didn't mind it at all. I texted a couple of texters want to bring up the Tim Sullivan thing, which I love. <laughs> for stars, it's, it's a fine question by Tim Sullivan. I don't have a problem with him bringing it up. To, right. uh, asking, you know, you obviously have ties to Nike. You, you were a Nike guy at Oregon and Kentucky. You, you know, William Wesley, all that stuff. Is there a concern with you that you're going to be as effective on the recruiting trail with the, with Adidas, or does that come into play at all? And right away, he's like starts laughing, and he's like, "Kenny Klein, prep me for this. <laughs> we were ready for you. Good job, Kenny." <laughs> and I thought the the answer that he gave, I don't know if it was the answer that Kenny Klein told him to give, but whatever it was, was perfect. Was he talked about? He's like, "Phil Knight called me yesterday, told me you got to take this job." I, I've, I, he's very clearly not going to bag on Calipari. He mentioned William Wesley. Hell, Josh Hurd mess- mentioned William Wesley, which five years ago would have blown all of right. our minds that World Wide West would come out of the, the mouth of our AD right. in a positive light. But he said, he basically framed it as, we got the best of both worlds. I've got connections to Nike. I was one of the first six players, basketball, coming out of college to sign with Adidas. So I've clearly got connections to Adidas. We're in Adidas school. I feel like I can work with both sides that was very interesting that that was a very interesting comment and the way he phrased it is that we have the best of both worlds which basically sends a loud loud and clear message that yeah i can get nike to send me guys or help me get guys and i can get adidas of course being an adidas school a flagship adidas school to help me get guys so we're the best like that was a very impressive answer the way he went about it but to just think about the prospects of that of you know basically louisville won't be hamstring or held to either shoe company uh-huh. that we can pretty much bring everything together. So just thinking about the prospects of that, it, that was maybe one of the understated most um, important pieces of information that came out of today. Um, if it's true, I mean, because if you can cross those lines and you're able to get that type of um, support from Nike, I mean, if, and like you said, Phil Knight's like an uncle to him is what he said during the press conference. Like, that's huge. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's very exciting for the prospects moving forward. You know, of course, we know that I believe there's still six years left on the Adidas deal. So it's not going anywhere anytime too soon, either six or seven years. Um, so 
for the foreseeable future, Louisville's going to be a part of Adidas. But if it's true that Nike is going to continue to have that relationship, and he said it's a family relationship with Nike, if that's the case and they will continue to give their blessing for their recruits to, to look at Louisville because Kenny's there, whew, that, 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 that gets me a little excited, Mike. I ain't going to lie to you. It was, it was the right way to handle it because there's no point in trying to run from the Nike route. Like, everybody knows right. you know, the relationships that you have. So you have to at least address it. I mean, hell, I like the fact now that after making those comments, I like the fact even more that yesterday he got off the plane with the Adidas U of L Polo and he had the Nike hat on. He yeah. had the Nike Jordan brand uh, golf hat on. Like that's, he's not going to run from it. Like he he knows that's where he kind of made his name. That's where he gained his reputation. Those types of relationships with the Nike schools. And first of all, I don't think Louisville's going to become a Nike school. I know that that's become the the big. I think there's too much going on behind the scenes. I've said this before. I think Kentucky will never let it happen. I think contractually they may have it in there that they won't let it happen. And I think also you're not going to get as much money from Nike right. as you're getting from Adidas. Adidas pays us a ton of money. Yeah, Louisville's top 10 apparel deals, I believe, in the country. Which is why we're willing to, to <laughs> re-up with them when a federal court says these dudes just defrauded you. Right. And we're like, oh, yeah, those bastards. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's find that new deal. Let's, they're going to give us $100 million for that. Uh, we're, we're okay. Yeah. We'll keep our enemies closer. Just, just. But we appreciate you convicting them all. Like, I think that we're probably going to stay Adidas. But it, the only reason why you would make that switch is – I mean, you may say, oh, I like their apparel better. I, li- I like the, the mesh shirts that they have. I love the dry fits. Well, the reality is the only reason we care about all this stuff is the relationships with players. Right. If we made the switch to Nike, it would be primarily because we felt like we weren't getting enough players through the Adidas channels. And also because Nike somehow can't get caught. Like, like we, they know how to do this. They know how to play the game better than anybody. There's a reason why the schools that got in trouble Absolutely. are the ones that got in trouble and the ones that didn't, didn't. Uh, the only reason Arizona got caught up, well, they're under armor now, right? I think that's right. Um, the only reason they got caught into is the, they, they got the Andre Aiden and, and Kansas wanted him and that came up in text. Yeah. That was it. And it's then funny Sean, how that happens, isn't it? <sighs> Uh, Texas, do we know what Kenny's thoughts are on the NCAA sanctions that might come from the IRP? I missed the intro presser today. He got asked about it, mm-hmm. um, and, and he he said as much as you can say, which, right. which is, you know, he said, I talked with Josh about it. Clearly, it was something that I had concerns about, and I asked him, lay out worst possible scenario. Like, like what's the the most heavy-handed punishment that we could get hit when with when all this is said and done? And he said, Josh laid it out, and I'm still here today. And that's pretty much all he had to say about it. I, I think that... At the end of the day, nobody knows what the hell the NCAA is going to do, as is the case with all these situations. Could it be a two-year postseason ban still, even with them coming, the IRP coming out and saying, we don't want to punish people who had nothing to do with these transgressions? Still, yeah, sure. So I mean, let, let, let me ask you this. We have no idea. Let me ask you this. And this is one of the fun things about being in here with you today, because when I listen to you and Trevor talk about so many different topics, there's so many times where I just want to be like, I want to jump in and ask Mike a question right sure. now. Let's now I have a chance to do it. Go for it. So let me ask you, would it be the worst thing? Now, of course, for Louisville fans, we would hate it if there was a postseason ban or they, they banned Louisville from this first tournament. Would it be the worst thing in the world for Kenny Payne to have a postseason ban that first year so he had a year to get under his belt, to learn the ropes, to learn the players, to be able to actually recruit a full recruiting class and then be able to come out in 2023 with everything behind him? I, I actually, like the pressure would no, be I, off. I know exactly what you're saying. And I, I think it's a very, very smart point. Obviously, we would all hate it. Right. But – and Kenny Payne, I, I think, would – would hate it too. Like he's right. not, he's not going to pick that. Right. 
But big picture, long term, could it actually be a benefit? Sure. I mean, it'd be like a zero stress season. Exactly. Because the fan base already is, is fully in this guy's corner. Right. Everybody's, even the people who have doubts, we're all rooting for him without hesitation. And if you have a, I don't know, let's say like 16 and 16 season next year, and you're fully eligible for the tournament, there's nothing holding you back. I mean, people are going to be patient to a degree, but it's going to be, people, there's still people who are going to be a little bit upset. And right. Who are like, eh, I don't know about this. If you go 16 and 16 in a year where you've got the postseason ban and you know it going in, and it's all just about trying to get better and getting the most out of the players, I think people then are like, man, they're playing hard. Just wait until we Absolutely. get a clean I think you're totally right. I think there's it would definitely take a little bit of the pressure off of him. Do I want it to happen? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, like, not like, at all. Like, but that is a way that we can kind of spin it into a positive. Like, right. it, it may we could it could be one of those scenarios. I I think you're totally right. Where we look back five years from now and say, man, it sucked. But at the end of the day, maybe we're not in as strong of a position as we are right now if we don't have that season. Because right. I mean, look at the way that that Patino's team started up there when he took over at UK. And I know it was a different situation, but right, they they couldn't play on TV, couldn't play in the tournament the first two years, and. That first group that he had, you know, they, they clawed their way to a near 500 record, and the fans adored them. Yeah, adored them. And then a year later, they win an SEC championship. Still can't play in the tournament. They hang a damn banner for them in in Rupp Arena. Could there be a similar effect at play here? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, I think we're all hopeful that absolutely. Even if we, it's a slow start to the the paint, and even if the roster is not where we expect it to be next year, they at least have a shot to play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Because if you overachieve, like that's that's best case scenario. Yeah. Is he comes in, we're good enough to play in the tournament next year, and then we've got a loaded 2023 class coming in, and everybody knows the best is yet to come. Like, that's ideal. Absolutely. Uh, Texter says, any other guys from 2022 that we could be in on? I think a lot of this depends on the way the roster shakes out because we have no idea how many scholarships we're going to have available. Right. We've got three kids signed now. Kamari lands. You've got to hold on to him because he's a guy who can come in and start right away for you regardless of who else you bring in. He's that good. Frederick King and Deontay Davis, I've got no idea if they're planning on sticking with their commitment. I assume Deontay will if Dre stays. It's hard to imagine one going somewhere else than the other. Yeah, I highly doubt that would happen. I've got no idea about Frederick King. I mean, from the Bahamas, I can't. Would you want to keep Frederick King just like, I know that there's so little about him known. Like, is that a guy that you, would you want to hold on to? I mean, you know, 6'8", 6'9", guy, long arms, seem to have a little bit of skill. He, I mean, he, you said that like he, he, in the brief videos that you see, you can tell he's got skill. Yeah, and he's putting up good numbers against good players down there. How is that going to translate to the the state? Zero clue. Yeah, <laughs> but if anybody can develop him, we know it's Kenny Payne. Absolutely. He is the the big guy savant. Could this be another Gorgie Zhang scenario, or is it going to be more like no disrespect to him, I love him, like Gabe Wisnitzer? Right. Who knows? Um, but if you've got, I mean, if you have scholarships to kind of play with then sure, I'd love him to be here. If you have a more established big man who wants to transfer in, right. we can have our own Oscar Shibway from somewhere and he needs Frederick King scholarship. That'd be nice. Sorry, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> there are other places to play here. You're going to love it somewhere else. It's going to be okay. Absolutely. Well, because I, I think that's the biggest thing is, well, we know that we had the three departing guys. We had uh, Mason gone. Yeah, Jared gone. Yeah, Malik gone. So those three scholarships are potentially the three scholarships that are going to be filled by the three incoming freshmen. Um, uh, of course, you you were able to go what one scholarship over because of the NCAA stuff, yeah. NCAA stuff. Now Gabe's gone. Now Gabe's gone. So that opens up one spot. Um, you know, I feel that m- me personally, I think the two guys that you're pretty sure are going to be gone 
I don't foresee Noah Locke playing another year here. I don't either. Um, so that would be a second spot open. The guy who's on the fence, Sam Williamson. Mm. And I think that's more not necessarily on the Louisville or Kenny Payne not wanting Sam. I think that's more on Sam wanting to either – go somewhere that's established where he can get in, get a lot of minutes, and have a chance to make his move to the professional ranks, um, or if he's going to want to build with what's here. But I think that's going to be more on Sam. Um, so that's the potential for two additional spots um, to be open. Um, so, I, I mean, if you if you have three spots open um, and available on this, I, I would expect – and you know, and you never know who else could transfer out. You may need four or five. But I think if you have three spots open, I think you can address a lot with that. You know, you can address that with, you know, a high school player and a couple of uh, transfers, two high school kids, and maybe one high-level transfer. Um, but I think there is going to be some flexibility with that. But I, I would – me personally, like I'm one of those nerds. Like I literally found the NBA uh, Latin America – feed (laughs) and watch two of Fred King's games, full games. What do you think? Um, He has potential. Um, He's, he's, he's raw. But the one thing that I could tell through watching the video, kid has about a six, uh, excuse me, a seven, six, seven, seven wingspan. Like his arms are long. Like and anytime you have a big guy, even if he's only six, eight, six, nine, when you have a kid that has that type of wingspan, they play like plus seven footers. Um, you know, very good shot blocker, um, showed the ability to pass, even stepped out and hit a couple threes from the international line. So, I mean, you know, that that's a guy that with Kenny Payne's reputation a, a, as a big man, you know, builder, um, I would love to see what he could do with Fred King and Rose Wheeler. You know, those are two guys that I feel would benefit a lot, as well as J.J. Trainer, uh, as well as uh, uh, Jalen Withers. I think that all those guys would be tremendously helpful to have. And when if you can have those guys, a couple guys that are already in the system, physically mature, Fred, who's a, maybe a little bit behind, you can you know either redshirt him or bring him along slowly. I think that's optimal because I think the one of the biggest failings of Chris Mack was his want to try to hurry and build too quickly. He wanted to continue to bring in these junior or not junior college, but transfer point guards to be the lead point guard on his team because he never wanted to build and have to take the growing pains of playing with a freshman point guard as a starter. I really and truly believe that if he brought in a freshman point guard that first year, like I love Kristen Cunningham, but if you bring in a freshman point guard, let's say he's a back end top 100 kid. Like not a superstar, somebody who's going to make mistakes, but has potential, either has size and length or maybe is a little undersized, but has skill. If you have that kid from year one, I feel like year four looks a lot different. I'm with you. You know, and I think that's what Kenny's got away. The thing about Chris Mack and from a recruiting standpoint, both both with transfers and with normal recruits, kids coming up who are going to be freshmen. And I, I don't have a problem saying this. He didn't want to fight for kids. He wanted to take the path of least resistance. Yes. If you were willing to commit to him early in the process, he was going to take you. He didn't want to go toe for toe, blow for blow with the Dukes, the Carolinas, in the world. I think he lost Caleb Love. He lost Jamin Brakefield. He lost Bryce Hopkins. And that was it. Like He was like, all right, oh, I'm done. I, I yeah. don't want to. And he didn't want to. I hate saying this because I don't want to say that he was like just the laziest coach of all time, but he, in recruiting, he absolutely did not want to work as hard as you need to work to get these kids. Right. And that goes with transfers too. He could have held out. He could have fought for guys that I think would have played bigger roles last year and had more success in the backcourt. But Jared West early in the game is like, I want to go to Louisville. He's like, boom, all right, you're here. 
Let's do it. Right. That You can't have that mentality at a place like Louisville. You've got to be willing to take multiple trips yep. to, re- to recruit. And I know he hasn't been great in North Carolina, but a guy like Caleb Love. Like, you have to be willing to, to say, I am going to fight for you for three more months as opposed to taking this grad transfer right now. I'm going to say pass on him because I think you can be a great two-, three-year player here. And you can run the show effectively. You have that next-level potential that we can't get from a guy like Jared West or like Kristen Gunn. And like you said, I, I like all these these guys. Yeah. I, I hate to, to – but they're not yeah, at the Fresh Kimball. Level. Yeah, they're, they're not know. at the talent level that we expect to be if we're going to compete for national titles. There's just no way around it. There's no other way to say it. And he didn't want to do that. Now, and, and on top of that, how about play your freshman? Well, the, one of the things that drove me crazy about him, even David Johnson, he refused to play. David Johnson had the game of his life against Duke so as a freshman yeah. and was like, you know what, now we're just going to leave him on the bench and we may put him in for a few minutes here and there. Like that, like his need to only play his upperclassmen and lean so heavy on his freshmen, that to me was where that mid-major mindset came from because in the mid-majors, you want to get old and stay old and you lean on those veterans. You lean on your juniors and seniors to be your leaders. And he brought that mentality to Louisville. But unfortunately, when you step up to this level, a lot of times your best players are going to be your young players. These young guys that want to get in, they want to have a play a year or two and go to the league. But guess what? You got to play him. Yeah. And that was the one thing that he never wanted to do. That's why we saw the foolishness with uh, Malik Williams this year, basically letting the inmates run the asylum because they always believe I have to lean on my seniors. And that was one thing that Chris Mack never adjusted to. And I really uh, truly believe that that was probably his biggest failing and led to ultimately his downfall. I think he also he saw what the most successful teams in the Big East were doing. Right. And it's a different game to be – Quite, uh, even Villanova, you know they they tend to get old and stay old. Right. But they're but Jay Wright knows all those are former mid major teams though. Yeah. Think I mean, about I mean, it. It's, it's, a, it's a different culture. It's, a, it's it's absolutely a different culture. When you go to a play, I mean, like Colin Gillespie is four year starter at Villanova. He's their their senior point guard. He's about to lead them past Delaware here in the first round. But you know when you're Colin Gillespie and you're going to Villanova, you're not bouncing after year two for the NBA. Right. That's not where your head is. Like that's maybe I get exponentially better, but I'm not expecting that. And Mac wanted to build that same type of program at Louisville that he did at Xavier. And it's just, it's not going to work, especially in this day. And he also got kind of blindsided by the new transfer rules because that has totally changed the game. And I don't think he adjusted well. He also, I hate to use this phrase, but gave into the mob a little bit too much when it came to recruiting. Right. For instance, I can tell you beyond, like I know this, the staff did not think that Aiden Nagehan was going to be a big-time player here. They had very, very serious doubts about his playing ability. But they knew he liked Louisville, and they knew the fan base really wanted him. Right. And they knew it would be a splash, and they would get people be tweeting about him, <laughs> tweeting about how much they love him, and they, they wanted that. And so they went after him, and they took him. Right. And they knew. And then he got there, and they were like, yeah, he's kind of what we thought. Like, he's just not going to play here. You can't do that. And, right. I, and I think Kenny Payne is the type of personality who – I know he's, he made it a point to say we have to do this all together, and I and need everybody on board. If the fan base is crying for him to get one recruit and he doesn't think he can play, Kenny Payne's not going after him. Right. The man knows how to evaluate talent. He trusts himself in that respect. That's not going to be a concern with him. Real quickly, because I know we're up against the break. Hmm? You mentioned Sam Williamson. The one thing that I can say with Sam, and this was true before the end of the season, oh, my God, schools reach out to players when they're actually still playing and they're not supposed to. (laughs) Sam had, before the end of the season, heard from SMU, TCU, and Texas A&M. All schools back from where he's from. Makes sense. And he, I don't know how much people know about this, like, very close to transferring back home before last year. In fact, like it 
I didn't think he was coming back. Nobody did because yeah. he had, was telling people, I'm not coming back. And then something happened. And the day before he was supposed to make this announcement, like he en- ended up sticking with you about. All along this season, there's been a sense that like he's it's a foregone conclusion that he's gone. But who knows? And right. Maybe Kenny Payne sees something in Sam. Maybe Sam likes what Kenny Payne has to say. I think the same is true with with Jalen Withers. There was a sense all year long that he's 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 kind of kicking the tires and going somewhere else. Right. Maybe that changes. Matt Cross, who the hell knows? Like, like he's, right. Right. He's been to six different schools in six years. Does he want to transfer and sit out now because he's used that one transfer and play immediately year? I don't know. But right. He is another guy who, like, all season long, it's been like, eh, doesn't matter who they hire, he's gone. Who knows? J.J. Trainer was probably going to go if it wasn't anybody but Kenny Payne. Now, I think he probably sticks around. But I'm with you. I think you retain more players than maybe we thought a month ago. Right. But you're still going to have two or three at least spots to bring in some hopefully high-level transfers, maybe an incoming freshman like a Sky Clark or somebody else if Kenny Payne's in on him. And... It, it's gonna be fun. Like I'm excited about the roster construction. Hopefully, we can build a top 25 team. We're up. We're late for break. We'll come back. We'll have a short segment to end hour number two. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. <laughs> no. No? Gotta love some PM Don, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh, we are, we're, we're tracking the NCAA tournament here. The only real, well, I guess uh, we've got two games just tipping off, Notre Dame and Alabama. About midway through the first half, Notre Dame leading 18-15. to 15. Virginia Tech and Texas also just underway on TBS. Uh, the most competitive game right now, USC and Miami. 14 minutes to go in the game, USC clinging to a 37-35 lead. They actually trailed by 11 at halftime and have started the second half on a 17-4 run. Uh, Trevor, we've been fading all the coaches that just got extensions. I did think it was hilarious that yesterday, I don't think by coincidence, 12 hours after it becomes official that Kenny Payne's going to be the head coach, Mick Cronin gets a six-year contract extension at UCLA. <laughs> and like when they're losing to Akron last time, I'm like, here it is again. It's all these coaches that get extensions. I believed in Jim Laranay. I got Miami in the damn Final Four, and he just got an extension. Uh, they're probably going to lose this one, though. But it, it's you were you were texting me at like 1 a.m. You were all on the zip bandwagon. You were wanting to see Mick. I was always a big John Gross fan anyway. I'm like, come on, Gross. Do it for me. Wow. I did want to write that story because John Gross only gets to the NCAA tournament because the With Kent, the underachieves, yeah. Well, because, and because Kent State players did a battle rap after their yeah. <laughs> on Snapchat. <laughs> Uh, with the title Bleep Akron before their MAC championship game. It would have been a fantastic story. John Gross's rise back to prominence fueled by a Snapchat battle rap that leaked onto Twitter and uh, got him into the NCAA tournament. Would have been a good story. And Mick Cronin has shown to be the fraud he is. They won. Yeah, <laughs> all the games last night were amazing. Like that last sec of, of games, like all the games were two possessions or less. It was amazing. So you know, we're getting all blowouts today, right? I, no, you know, is it, the same thing is going to happen. Is when I'm trying to go to sleep, trying to get these posts together, 
uh, for the the gig. All the great games are going to be the ones that are like at one a.m. Yeah. They're all going to close. Like that was last night. Virginia's like crying to, for me to go get her. I'm like watching the last nine seconds of Arkansas Vermont. I'm like, you're fine. <laughs> UCLA Akron's coming down to the wire. It, Murray State San Francisco I think was the best game of yesterday. It ended at like twelve. Amazing game. It's a fantastic game. I, I feel so. And then rough twelve hours for USF. I had my USF shirt on last night. My buddy who is in the athletic program there texted me and he's like, "What a game!" And I'm like, "I'm in the dark trying to keep my daughter quiet while I type in my USF Don shirt." <laughs> and then this morning they find out that their head coach Todd Golden, who looks like he's 15 years old, he's actually 36, is going to be the new head coach at Florida. So wow. Like they lose him and he's the real deal. Like he. I like Matt McMahon. Golden coached a better game than him last night. McMahon just has better players and a better overall team. Um, but McMahon might get the Missouri job, so we'll find out. But Todd Golden making that move to Florida. I think he's – I legit think he might be 16, and we're dealing with a little big league scenario where he somehow got a head coaching job because, yeah, you know, his grandpa died and was That's a big hilarious. USF guy. But he's, he knows the game, man. He's, he's, uh, he's fantastic. We'll take a couple texts here. we got about uh, six minutes here before we got a break and get ready for hour number three. Uh, Texture says, put that Charlie Wilson's appliance jingle on a Jay Dilla beat and see what happens. I love it. Uh, Texture says, we'll be back. Cal, oh, this is a KRC text. Here we go. We'll be back. Cal will be back. Duke lost to Lehigh, and that's when K adapted. Okay. <laughs> is it? Can, mm. we, can we talk about this real quick? I know we've, we, we've been mostly focused on Louisville here. K losing to Lehigh and CJ McCollum. Not the same thing as Kentucky losing to that St. Peter's team last night. No. I'll read the stats. Going into last night, St. Peter's offense was ranked 260th in adjusted defensive efficiency, offensive efficiency, 273rd in free throw percentage, 317th in two-point field goal percentage, and 317th in turnover rate. That same team last night hung 85 points on a Kentucky team that had not given up 85 in a game this year, shot 50.9% from the field, shot 52.9% from three, was 18 of 21 from the free throw line, 85.7%. Only turned the ball over two more times than UK did and pulled off the fourth biggest point spread upset in the history of the NCAA tournament. That's unbelievable. There's no ex- – I, I told Trevor last week, St. Peter shouldn't have been a 15 seed. They were a 16 seed. They only got into the NCAA tournament because in a beautiful t- turn of events, Rick Pitino's Iona team got beat in the quarterfinals by Ryder. That you – have an all-American caliber player at the level of Oscar Shibwe, who you know is going to get you against an undersized team like this somewhere in the vicinity of like 28 and 16. Which he did. Like he got 30 and 16 last night. (laughs) And St. Peter's only big man had two fouls two minutes into the game and didn't play basically the entire first half. That you lead by six with under three minutes to go and you have the ball and you find a way to lose that game. I feel like I've done a pretty good job over the years of, of dismissing the, well, Cal okay, just rolls out the ball. You don't have the level of success that he's had if you can't coach at least a little bit. It's not just about getting players. It can be a lot about getting players, but it's not just about getting players. Last night, all the UK fans who were upset about him, I completely get it. Shaheen Holloway is a star in the coaching ranks. He's going to be. And he, there's no other way, he outcoached John Calipari. Yeah. When they got it down to six, or when they got it down to four, he goes zone. He extends some full court pressure. Great call. He starts cutting back door because he sees that Keon Brooks and some guys are falling asleep. He sets up set plays for the one shooter they've got, who UK inexplicably loses, the the, the kid with the prepubescent mustache. <laughs> uh, Doug Wirt, I think is his name. I can't remember his last name. Like he And Calipari doesn't adjust. And he never calls timeouts in those clutch situations, which, which I would understand if you had a, a guard who was killing it all game, just 
beating his man off the dribble, been in this situation before. But their guards were playing recklessly all night. Call timeout. Set something up. Right. And the fact that if they don't have Sheepway last night, who's just bigger than everybody else, they lose going away in regulation to a not great St. Peter's team. This is not like Georgetown, Ohio a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not like Duke Lehigh a few years ago where you saw some warts in the two seed. In the 15 seed, they got a star. They're underseeded. This could happen. It makes sense in hindsight. It's not like Oral Roberts last year, nation's leading scorer against an Ohio State team that had been limping into the tournament. There was no excuse for them to lose that game last night. None. No, I, I, it's it's one of those things where Kentucky, um, one of the things coming into the year that you know I had big questions about was the physicality of the Kentucky, especially at the guard positions, uh, because they had they had kids, but Kellen Grady moving up uh, from the mid major level coming to Kentucky, and then Ty uh, Ty uh, as a high schooler, um, and of course with uh, Wheeler and how small he is, mm. uh, severe. I just had questions about if those guys would be able to make the plays. And they just simply did not come ready to play. Like, Severe probably played the best because at least he was able to use his speed to get into the lane and uh, throw some nice passes to Oscar and get some easy buckets. Um, but outside of that, like, I don't know what was going on with Grady and Tata last night. Like, it's like they didn't even want – they didn't want the ball. They were completely out of it. Well, Grady played the same way he's been playing the last two weeks. Like, just, just, I've never seen a shooter who's been that good. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not like this was a one-off deal. He's lights-out shooter at Davidson. Yeah. Broke Steph Curry's freshman three-point record. Right. Like, he's been a shooter his entire – the last two weeks just can't hit anything. Yeah. And, of course, he finally hits one when the, the, the lights are the brightest. Yeah. That, and that. you kind of thought, like, that's going to get him going. Now he's going to hit seven in overtime. And it just didn't happen. Like, he – and Wheeler was, was out of control at times when the, the, the game was at its most crucial juncture. Yeah. Sheepway did everything he could. God love him. And he seems like a, a terrific kid. It's hard to root against him. But like nobody else just stepped up. And then just losing guys on defense. College basketball is a guards game. If you don't have guards, you're right. You can't win. There's, you're exactly right. But, I mean, the stats about this game. Kentucky's basketball budget, $19 million. St. Peter's, $1.5 million. Yeah, Calipari literally makes more than the budget of the whole school's athletic department. St. Peter's doesn't have enough money to cover the bonuses that Shaheen Holloway <laughs> is getting from winning this game. Uh, St. Peter's has an endowment of $37 million and fewer than 2,800 students and just beat a school with an endowment of $1.4 billion When Neil writes, is there players on UK's team that makes more than the St. Peter's budget? They pr- there probably are. <laughs> does she make, she, probably, does she make over $2 million this year? Ty Ty Washington probably made more this year than Shaheen Holloway did. Oh, I, that I almost guarantee. That's crazy. By the way, Sheen Holloway, is there any doubt? If Kevin Willard gets the seat, oh, gets the uh, Maryland job, yeah. Sheen Holloway's going to Seton Hall. I mean, it's perfect. Kill it there. Absolutely. Yeah. He was awesome last night, too. I, I loved when he got asked. They're like, you're so cool. Like, don't you? He's like, why? It's basketball. Like, if, if, I played this game my whole life. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not flipping out about it. It's just basketball. We're, we're good. I would literally say he was probably a better – he could have been better last night on the floor than any of his own players. Like Probably. <laughs> like right now. I just also love everybody unearthing all of the the last March slash last May, the John Calipari. There were a lot of happy people out there. Enjoy it while you can. Next year's coming soon. It's like, well, you know. And most UK fans, I think, took the ribbing in stride last night because, like with us, this year having a terrible season, like right. you know what you're going to get. Like when they kill us in football. I expect those tweets. I expect people making fun of us. Like that's it right. comes with it. When we lost to DePaul, I've made fun of DePaul my entire life. Bring it on. Like <laughs> I deserve it. Here comes the onslaught. And the UK fans who were like, like there was one guy who sent me screenshots of every box score of every Louisville loss this season. I'm like, buddy, 
You just lost to a 15. Right. There's... That, the box scores of this team that you're sending me <laughs> won as many games in the NCAA tournament as your team did this year. <laughs> so maybe just you know, call tonight. Watch the other games that are on. Please do. Tomorrow's a new day. Like, <laughs> you can't run from this. No. And you and I were talking about this. It's one of those losses, and Kentucky fans know this. It gets it's brought forever. Forever. Like people will mention say, the Peacocks to you for the rest of your life as a fan. The same way that you brought up Lehigh to Duke fans. The yeah. same way that people have talked about Robert Morris in your NIT. And this is worse than that. Oh, absolutely. It's a two fifteen game. It's the tenth time it's ever happened. Like I said, they were eighteen and a half point favorites. It's the fourth largest point spread upset in the history of the tournament. Like you were the, I think, fifth trendiest pick to win the national title. Yeah. Forty eight percent of people had you in the final four. And you lost to a <laughs> Peacocks. You know, I should have known this was gonna happen when John Calipari sent out that weird tweet about making a tweak. You tweeted about a tweak. Before your first NCAA tournament game, like he's made tweaks, quote unquote, you know, during Camp Cal in late December, he's made tweaks, maybe heading into February for the stretch run of the of the SEC conference play, or even before the SEC tournament starts. You know, he's talked about making some adjustments. He's never talked about making adjustments literally before the tournament starts. Like that right there was weird to me. Like, I, well, the only time before it was, was, was 2014, and that's because they were not playing well. Like, right. That, that's beca- and it was the end of the regular season when. Right. The, and the tweak basically was like, let's just let the Harrisons like put their head down, <laughs> throw up crazy <laughs> shots in the lane. Maybe we'll get a foul, or maybe one of our seven footers will get the rebound. That was the tweak. Yeah, right. Right. But this year, yeah, you're, you're two seed. It's like, why are we tweaking? Like, I, I like I understand that Kellen Grady needs to shoot better, but it was just a very odd timed. Tweet like that that late to make an adjustment when it's literally win or go home, just because it, it to me that says to your team that there's issues that there's something going wrong that there's a problem and and you when you don't have at least that SEC tournament to kind of work through that where you would think you have at least a couple of rounds to kind of get whatever's new. I don't know if you want to go change the stuff when it's literally if we lose this game our season's over and, and I don't know if it was in their heads. You know, because we've seen Louisville teams where Coach Patino goes into that UK game where he has his own players psyched out oh, yeah. because Coach oh, Patino yeah. is so stressed about the Kentucky game and it affects the players on the court. That could have been what we saw last night. Here's the thing about reboots. You think you're desperate for them until you actually get them <laughs> and you realize they're never good as, as good as the original. Yeah. It's exa- He's trying to replay the hits. He's See the Matrix to- Resurrections. Exactly. <laughs> He's trying to tell the fan base, hey, remember that time when we did all that cool stuff a few years ago? Let's, we're going to do that again. And the reality is the second half of his tenure has been completely different than the first half, and everybody sees it. Tweecocks, that's what happened. Tried to tweak, <laughs> got peacocked. We got an hour left here. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. Rashawn Myers and Trevor Kelsey here. We'll be with you up until 6 o'clock. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Kenny Payne, take more of your text on the Thornton's text line as well as give uh, updates on the NCAA tournament. We'll be right back here on 1450 
them ain't trying to be handsome Shrinking what you're thinking cause I'm pimping Alright, I think I know now Are we doing Jersey? Yeah, yeah we got it, baby it I, The fact that Tom <laughs> Bon Jovi didn't give it away is, is That's on me yeah, that's, that, yeah, that should have been the one. And, uh, and and shout out to uh, Cool and the Gang and PM Don, who are particularly straight from Jersey City, New Jersey. I love that the I, home of St. Peter's. I love that I couldn't get it after Bon Jovi, but when I hear uh, Naughty by Nature, I'm like, oh, it's Jersey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, well done. Who'd you who'd you say is from Jersey City? Actually, from Jersey City is Cool and the Gang. Really? And uh, PM Don. Go Peacocks. P- that's how PM Don bumped uh, Bruce Springsteen from the Jersey list. Peacock Don, we love it. <laughs> by the way, full circle celebration by Cool and the Gang was the theme song of the 1986 national championship team with Kenny Payne. The same day, the band who's from the city that had the team that knocked out Kentucky on the day Kenny Payne announced his wow. all comes full circle. I baby. love it. Wow, well all done, TK. Trevor Kelsey, best in the business. People don't say that for no reason. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here with Rashawn Myers and TK. Uh, as always, on a Friday, listen to Rashawn, by the way. Wake up 502 every Saturday morning, 9 to 11, right here on 1450 The Big X. Follow him on Twitter, at Rashawn. Two double A's in there. R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N. Uh, we've been talking, you know what we've been talking about. We've been talking Kenny Payne, intro press conference, talking a little Kentucky, uh, talking about what you want to talk on the Thornton Sex Line. Also, real quickly, NCAA tournament updates. It's getting a little juicy here in the second segment of the first window. Miami clinging to a one-point lead over USC. Notre Dame up four on Alabama in the first half. And Virginia Tech and Texas all knotted up at 18. Villanova, Auburn, Purdue, Texas Tech, and Ohio State all expected winners advancing earlier today. We also did not get the... Uh, Bruce Pearl, Ray Harper fist fight that I was hoping for. <laughs> I wanted that to happen. Although Ray Harper, they were up early on him. And I was, I was like, you know, lesser of two evils. I'm going with a team with less money and less of a chance to advance deep in this tournament. Let's go Jacksonville State. Didn't happen. They lost by 19. Bellarmine would have won that game by 27. Putting it out there. <laughs> Bellarmine beats Auburn by 27. No Scotty doubt in my B. mind. Uh, Rashawn, how should we start this last thing? Do you, do you want – I feel like we don't need to repeat our Kenny Payne text. Take. Yes. We've, we've said – we've reacted to the, the press conference. Yes. We love it. We're feeling Absolutely. our full Cardinal selves. We have our Cardinal gear on. Trevor's got a green Seattle Kraken shirt on. <laughs> it's a St. Patrick's Day Kraken shirt, too. It's not even St. Patrick's Day anymore. It was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always a day late. I love Trevor's explanations. <laughs> like, well, that doesn't matter. That doesn't even care. Give or take a day. Uh, we can go to the text line here just because we've got... Absolutely. I always feel bad. And Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. We asked for your text. A lot of times the, the text will help drive the conversation on the show. But a day like today, we've got like 5,000 that we're just... We're, we can't get to all of them. Texts are popping, man. We're going to try, but uh, hopefully we can stumble upon a, a good conversation. Uh, Texture says, in 1995, Calipari and number two seed UMass beat number 15 seed St. Peter's in the tourney 68-51. to Did not know that. Really? There was some precedent there. Revenge, bitches. <laughs> it's Friday. Trevor can apparently say that. <laughs> Where did that come from? Just saying he's just revenge. <laughs> Peacock revenge. I don't... If we're talking about, like, rival fan schadenfreude... Because people... Like, my wife last night was like, this may be even better than the Wisconsin. And I was like, eh. Wisconsin was big because it, 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 it spared us all, right? Right. That was because we were staring down in the face of something. You know, we talked about St. Peter's being forever. Everybody's always going to bring it up. And that's when you lose a game like that, you know that's the case. If you go 40 and 0, first team to ever do it, you can never live it down. You hear about like that's forever. And that was what we all, I think, were fearing was regardless of if we win more national titles, if they 
tank in the next five years. They have this forever. This, this gets thrown in our face. Well, I was a fan of the greatest team of all time. 40-0. Didn't lose. First, first undefeated team since the 70s. And Wisconsin saving us all from that injustice is something I'll be a Badger fan for life. Frank the Tank, baby. Frank forever. the Tank. Sam Decker. Love all you guys. So as fun as last night was from just a pure bathing in the tears of my enemy's misery, it's not. It wasn't Wisconsin to me. It also wasn't even 2014 UConn because I just accepted, knowing how bad that UConn team was, knowing how we'd just beaten them by 33 <laughs> two weeks earlier, I just assumed UK was going to throttle them. And when it didn't happen, that was also a relief. Yeah, absolutely. Those games, because the stakes are higher, mean more to me than last night. But last night, way more funny. You listen to the damn Peacock. Yes. Peacocks. Like, everything was perfect from the fact that it was a 2 versus a 15 to the fact that their mascot is the Peacocks. Couldn't be. <laughs> unless it was Longwood. Only team that could have been funnier. Yes. And they, Longwood's better than St. Peter's. Yes. So this was, this was ideal. Yes, this it was, was perfect. This was great. Where do you think, not to turn this into just a Kentucky segment, we'll take more takes in a second. <laughs> I mean, where do you think UK goes from here? They've got, they're always going to get players, but the, you and I were talking about this off air, you only get a limited window where you're the the cool program, right. right? This stuff is cyclical. Kids kids change. You can't. The cool program doesn't stay the cool program forever in any sport. And they had a five six year run where they were the cool program. Everybody wanted to go there. They're, they, if you were a top five player, it was no brainer. You're going to Kentucky if you can. You're going to be a top five NBA draft pick. If you have success in UK for the five months you're in Lexington, cherry on top of the cake. I, I mean, the fan base is turning. Yeah. And it's not just a UK fans are crazy. They're reacting to a negative loss in a, in a in a bad light way. Like they've got legitimate concerns on their side. You haven't been to a Final Four since 2015. The overall win percentage is lower than it was in the second half of Tony, Tubby Smith's era. You're not dominating the SEC the way you used to. Even when you have success, it kind of feel it, it feels nobody fears these Kentucky teams anymore. Right. I used to. I will fully admit as a Louisville fan, like the teams with all of that unreal talent from 2010 through 2015 and to a lesser degree, 2017, even though we beat that team, like you were scared of them. Right. They had, they had dudes, they had guys that just nobody else in the country had, even when they're, even though they're good, I'm not scared of them anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough because it's one of those things where I think the only way to me John Calipari needs to get back to basics. So one of the things I've always said about John Calipari, anybody who thinks that Calipari can't coach or that Calipari is just some bum that's just got a bunch of good players and just rolls the ball out there, um, they didn't watch John Calipari when he coached at UMass. John Calipari was one of the best coaches in college basketball. What he was able to do, people always want to bring up the fact that he had Marcus Camby. Guess what? He had Marcus Camby and a bunch of nobodies. And he taught those boys to play like Trevor uh, uh, Padilla. And, and Edgar Padilla is right there. Edgar, 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 Edgar Padilla and, and Carmelo, Tra- Travieso. Carmelo Travieso. Like those guys, like he coached those boys into a basketball machine. We had the starting back over the Dominican Republican team too as well. Hey. Like, I'm not kidding. I think they were. That, that team, like that was an amazing coaching job because I've seen plenty of teams that had one great player. I don't care if it's Michael Beasley or, or – or Kevin Durant, you know, we've seen all types of teams that have a one superstar player that didn't do anything uh-huh. in the tournament. The so, the, you know, <laughs> it, absolutely. I mean, and they went toe-to-toe with, you know, in my lifetime, maybe the greatest college basketball team I've ever seen in that 96 Kentucky squad. Uh-huh. You know, and they went toe-to-toe with that team. 
It beat him once and could have beat him twice. Uh-huh. You know, so I mean, he's going to have to get back to basics, but I don't know if he can rewind it. Like he's been into this caricature of who I'm going to be as the one and done guy of the I can't hide you here, the I'm just going to let you get comfortable and do your thing and, you know, just kind of do that. I don't know if he can Walk that back now, if it makes sense. Like, he needs to get back to his coaching roots and actually start coaching. He needs more structure. Um, but I, I just I don't know because, I mean, he's kind of into this cycle of he's bringing in these one-and-done prospects every year. And I, I, I don't – I feel like he's stuck. Like, I, I really don't know. It's tough. I, I think he's trying to do – because one of the things that I will give Mike Krzyzewski credit for is he never – at least in the last decade, he wouldn't get rooted in his old ways. He was willing to change. He was willing to become a chameleon. He went to the one and done. He's now going with some of the transfer stuff now that that's open. I think Calipari's trying to get with the times. I mean, they brought in a bunch of high-level grad transfers this year. Right. And that was the weird thing about their unraveling last night was if this were 2013, you would say, of course they unraveled late. A bunch of young guys. Never been on the stage before. Doesn't matter who they're playing. St. Peter's, who, UConn, whoever. It's new. The lights are bright. They're a little bit unnerved. It's going to happen. Last night, during the, the biggest moments of that game, for the most part, they had three grad transfers, a junior and a sophomore on the floor. Mm-hmm. Guys who played college basketball at a fairly high level before. Kellen Grady played in the NCAA tournament. Keon Brooks has been around for a long time. He he's, should know. Oscar right. Shibway played at West Virginia. Severe Wheeler, Georgia, still, you know, when it's Georgia. It's Georgia. And he's played on time cream. <laughs> and they looked like a bunch of you know, three-star freshmen. They looked in overtime and the end of regulation. They looked the way that you expect St. Peter's to look in that situation. Right. And at the end of the day, that has it reflects the coaching. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think he keeps trying all these retreads from the first part of his Kentucky tenure. Maybe he needs to go back even farther. Maybe he needs to get back to his roots. I, is it salvageable? I don't know. It's tough. It is tough. Uh, but a couple people have wanted to talk about the uh, the Scott Satterfield tweet last night. <laughs> Trevor, did you see this? I did. I, I think everybody, if you don't know what we're talking about, Scott Satterfield, right after St. Peter's upsets Kentucky, just <laughs> tweets out, St. Peter's is my new favorite team, congrats, and then he tags Shaheen Holloway, which is a veteran move to just like act like you. I, I don't think Scott Satterfield has a tight relationship with Shaheen Holloway. There's <laughs> there's no connection to my knowledge. If there is, somebody let me know in the text line. But he's also just, he's putting it out there as if they're, you know, it's, it's about the coach. I'm just congratulating him. On one hand... Obviously, you love it. You're needling the rival. We want Scott Satterfield to embrace this rivalry more than he has. Yes. This is him showing us that he that he is. On the other, it's not lost on me that we've lost the only two games that Satterfield has coached against Kentucky by a combined 5,653 points. <laughs> so, like, when I saw Vince Marrow and all the U.K. fans being like, hey, maybe not you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not the right person to be studying this. I was like, I get it. I tend to agree with them. I, I kind of do, too. <laughs> but there also was a part of me that, like, Satterfield, we want to see the swag. Right. So, yeah. He's trying. Doesn't matter how badly we lost. I'm going to take a shot. We got recruits coming in. It's a new era. I'm, I'm showing the fan base that I care, that I'm going to rib them a little bit. I get it, but I also understand the other side, too. At the end of the day, I think I'm fine with it. I think I'm okay yeah. with it. I mean, you know, Scott, Scott, I will give Scott this. Last season was horrid. Yeah. Okay, you lost the Air Force. Yeah. Okay. All the I don't care about all the commits in the world. I don't care about the prospects of how good 2023 was. You were god awful last year. So I'm going to hold you to what I see once the football actually kicks off. But everything that he's done, he's hit every right note. 
I feel like, yes, that's awesome. He sent the tweet, rib Kentucky. I love it. But at the same time, you said that you now you, you said the exact same thing before the Kentucky game of now you know what it I get means. It, right. You know, and then you just got mollywopped. Yep. So I don't know. Like I'm okay with it, but at the same time, it's kinda like the dude that you know that's not gonna beat up nobody who's up there running his mouth in the background. It's like if this guy really walks over here, you're really not gonna do any anything and you're gonna jump behind me. So how about, you know, the I, ter- I'm good with it now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll like it even more if we beat Kentucky next November. Yes. If we get whooped again, will I think about it and be kind of embarrassed? Of course. <laughs> will I be like, that's the last time, Scott. I don't care if UK loses to a 16 seed next year by 40. You're, right. not, you're, you're not tweeting. You're not tweeting. You're you're banned from tweeting about Kentucky until you actually bring the Governor's Cup up. Absolutely. That's where I'll be. But for right now, with a guy who's trying to, I think, get a segment of the fan base back on his side and has been able to do so through recruiting and now is trying to do it through you know, rivalrying and we're going to be better on the actual field. I'm okay with it. Yeah. But I also understand. He's got one more. This is the last one. This is, yeah, this, this is, <laughs> we're good with it now. Yes. But I also understand the UK fans who are like, yeah, maybe anybody but you. <laughs> uh, Texture says, Kenny Payne made it rain, just like Phil Rich. You're damn right. Uh, oh, Trevor's doing the make it rain. I like it. <laughs> Texas says, I'm amazed I distracted you. I never distract you during the show. Yeah, you do something. Well, not, not as much <laughs> Not speaking distractions. Yeah. Texas says, get old and stay old. LOL. I do that every day. <laughs> That's fair. Texas says, what needs would Louisville go after when the transfer portal opens? Well, it's already open. I mean, there's that. that is the good thing about bringing in Kenny Payne and getting this done right now is yeah. you've seen the last couple of days, like Princeton had their second best player into the portal, and you have those Jeff Borzello tweets where it's like, Boom, 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 have already reached out. And you you keep waiting to see Louisville's name. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we don't have a coach. So now we can start reaching out to prospects. As far as what needs, it all depends on who's coming back, like who's staying and who's right. going. Like, I think as as Rashawn pointed out, you clearly need a point guard. Guards. If yeah. you don't get Sky Clark, then you're going to have to go back into the portal and do this for the you know seventh straight year or whatever it's been. Right. I think you feel – Assuming Sidney Curry's coming back, and there's no reason to believe that, that he won't. He's tweeted, he sent out a tweet yesterday about, like, you know, Louisville basketball's going to be back. He's been going to, he went to the women's selection show. Like, right. he's going to be back. Roosevelt Wheeler, you assume, probably going to come back. I think you feel pretty good about your depth inside when that's the case. But also, I mean, you kind of trust Kenny Payne there. Like, it, it, maybe he sees some of these front court players differently than we do. And right. he's, and there's a guy out there that he really feels like he can develop. Um, but if that's not the case, I think you feel good about the front court. You might need more wings, depending on what Sam Williamson and Matt Cross choose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Kamari Lands coming in. I think he's going to help you out. We'll see what LLS chooses to do. It's, it's, it all comes down to who's staying and who's going. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, the biggest thing is uh, explosive guards. You need at least two explosive ball handlers. Uh, I, I think that that's something that Louisville's going to have to get. I agree with you with the rest of the, the, the roster. Um, you would think with, you know, if, if Rose is still around, Sid's still around, Jalen's still around, then you're probably good um, down low in the low post um, and at the forward spots. I, I would think that you're okay, especially if they hold on to Kamari Lands, who can, who can kind of play the three or the four. Um, but they need at least two explosive ball handlers. The, the ball handling for Louisville has been severely lacking for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be better than it's been certainly this season. Yeah. Because we had we had four guards that all did certain things pretty well. Right. But none of them were elite at really any one specific skill set. I think L. Ellis, if you can 
get him under control a little bit more this summer, work on a little bit of the ball handling stuff. He certainly has the quickness, maybe refine the outside shot just a bit. Like he can really help you. I think yeah. he could be, he can take that next step and become a guy who you can rely on to play 30 minutes a game right. and do so at a high level. But I'm with you. You need somebody else besides him who is an electric break a guy down off the bounce type guard. High IQ, please. That, that, that would be very high IQ would help too. Very, very, very helpful because I, I don't know if I want L running my team. Like I, I understand now why they yeah. thought he might be better at the two. Um, he just he needs to continue to work on that. But his decision making, I really would rather him be off the ball than on the ball. Same, but, but the issue with. You know, if it's a high IQ guy who's not explosive, right? We saw that firsthand this year, right? No, no, no. We Ball need both. <laughs> we, we need a guy. We need more than one guy who can beat yes. somebody off the bounce. Because this year, I mean, we we get into half court sets, and I love love Jared West, love Mason Faulkner, love L, but the ball would just stop, right? And, and it wasn't for lack of trying. We just didn't have dudes who could get around, even like average defenders at the ACC level. Absolutely. And you knew it was an issue right off the bat when against. Furman and Detroit Mercy in southeastern Louisiana, we were struggling to get to get to the rim at will. Yeah. We were in half court sets and they were locking our guys up. And I'm like, this is this, this is gonna be an issue. And Mike, this is the thing that I say with Louisville. The potential of Kenny Payne as a recruiter, we know um about his reputation. And with Louisville's potential as an NIL juggernaut in college basketball, with the you know, they talked about all the big money folks that were behind Kenny being hired if that was gonna happen. Let's go, Junior. This is now Let's go, baby. the time where you think, you know, I'm looking at college. This is this is your recruiting right here. What what we're looking at on this TV. Let's see whoever the best guards are out here at any of these mid-majors or, 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 or mid-high majors, figure out who the best guards are. Buy them. Get that mustache. Because guess what? Peters. We Bring can buy them here. now, Trevor. <laughs> we can buy them. So just buy them. Just go get them. Whoever it is. They can transfer without sitting out. Let's say what it is, people. I was listening to uh, – Tim Sullivan was talking the other day about how he had, he had that conversation with Junior Bridgman and said – Junior had said he hadn't really been approached about NIL stuff. And I was like, what? <laughs> he played here. He's got some of the deepest pockets in the city. Right. He's obviously open to it. It's time. It's time. Buy the mustache kid from St. Peter's. Absolutely. Not really. Get him. No. <laughs> get him. If, 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 you know, just to get him and just set him on the end of the bench. We should, we should have enough money. Just set him there. Just, you know. We'll only play him against the Kentucky. <laughs> just a troll. One set play for an outside shot. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, your point's not lost. If you're a – I'm trying to think of – if you're a high-scoring guard, not even at like the mid-major level, but if you're one of those sort of purgatory conferences like the American or like the Atlantic 10, right. um, and you want to take a step up, and you want to have a higher degree of exposure, Louisville's a perfect option for you right now. Mm -hmm. And we're going – I think there is going to be more NIL money. I'm not sure if we can – we need to form some sort of collective. I don't know why we're behind on that. We are behind on NIL stuff. Hopefully, with Kenny Payne at the helm – that will change because I think you are going to have more people willing to come forward who've kind of been sitting on the sidelines. For the, the friends last, of the program. The friends of the program. <laughs> we, we need the friends of the program involved, and we got to start getting some guys. Absolutely. We're Just behind. get them. Just go get them. It's time. It is time. Uh, Texter says, I hope Kenny's recruiting pitch is who cares what the NCAA hands down or what you've heard. You come here and excel. You'll be a king. There are reasons to believe. I mean, even if you get a one-year po one postseason ban for Louisville, it should only affect guys who only plan on being here for five months. And even then, I think, I mean, Kate Cunningham went to Oklahoma State thinking that there was a possibility that they could have been. Anthony Edwards tournament. went to Georgia. Anthony Edwards went to Georgia. <laughs> and played for Tom Crean. You're going to be treated like a king here. Yeah. 
you're going to have more eyeballs on you here than most places. There are, I mean, the best and worst thing about Louisville when it comes to the basketball program is that these kids are the pro athletes here. It's the best thing because it makes you a more attractive option. I think it makes you more willing to stay here if you have an option to transfer somewhere else or even go overseas and make a small amount of money relative to NBA standards. But the worst thing is you have stuff like the Katina Powell stuff. It's not going to happen somewhere else because they know that that's not a big story in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Like nobody cares right. if the basketball players are doing that down there. It's not even going to get it out. Like nobody's going to work hard to make sure that that story's unearthed. It is a big deal at Louisville because it's a big city without a pro sports team, at least in one of the four big leagues. These are our pro athletes. Right. But if you're somebody who thinks you can be an NBA type talent, I've never understood why you wouldn't look closer at Louisville than some of these kids in recent years have. Because I, I think NIL is I, I going to change that because I think that, you know, your, your superlative shooting guard, okay, you may have Nike ties, but if you're looking at, I don't know, even uh, Villanova, Villanova, the NIL deals that you're going to get at Villanova should be dwarfed by the NIL deals that you can get at Louisville. Sure. And I think that's where the dynamic changes because Louisville is one of those six or seven programs where it matters, the Duke you know, UCLA, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, then Louisville and Indiana. Yeah. That's it. Here's the other thing that I think helps Louisville in this regard, just because certainly from a recruiting standpoint, the last 15, 20 years, we've been not a tier one program. We've been kind of tier two, sometimes even tier three. But now with NIL, you can go to a guy who maybe would be the second or third best player at Duke and say, you're our guy if you come here. Like the, yeah. the Zion, Cam Reddish, RJ Barrett class at Duke. You could go to Cam Reddish and say, dude, you're looking for NIL money? You're playing, Absolutely. You're playing third fiddle. Like the, the businesses in Durham, are, they're going to Zion. They're going to RJ. You're a top 10 player. You're the guy if you come to Louisville. And we got more money and more people here that can get you involved in stuff than they ever could down there in Little Durham. Like, I think it changes the game. It should help. I think it's already starting to change the game on the football front. I'm not sure you get Pierce Clarkson if this isn't something right. that's out there. If he can't put all these billboards up across the city. If he can't immediately sign endorsements once he gets to Louisville with Planet Fitness or wherever. Like It's already helping football. It should help basketball. Even more, you would think. You'd think. And it may take until the NCAA stuff goes away for that right. to happen. But I'm with you, especially with Kenny Payne at the helm, a guy who's got the ties that he has, who's got the proven track record that he has. Yeah, it should be a no-brainer. Uh, Texas says Bruce Weber as the OG assistant wouldn't be bad. What about Frank Martin? I think Frank Martin still has aspirations to be head coach. Too soon. He just got fired. Love of God, don't bring me Bruce Weber. <laughs> Frank Martin, at least, you know, he, if you're tweeting bad stuff about us, you can just, you know. If you're, just trying, your to get, if you're just trying to get me more positive about Dennis you Felton, that ball, the only reason to bring up Bruce Weber. He looked like Kingpin. Did you see him on the on the analysis? Yeah. He looked like Kingpin. I was like, oh, gosh. That's I love that he and Huggins are doing it. I, yeah. I, I said, I was like, I was like, dude, the odds of somebody being murdered on national TV have never been higher during this tournament. <laughs> They know where the bodies are. They'll find them. Uh, Texas said, could the lack of coaching tree success be because those coaches couldn't recruit good enough at those schools? I mean, yeah, but that's part of coaching success. Like, if you can't do it on your own, then what are you doing? It shouldn't be as woeful. Like, Orlando Antigua, if he's the guy that they think he is there, or they thought he was there, South Florida shouldn't have been as much of an unmitigated disaster as it was. Right. Tony Barbie hasn't gotten it done at some big schools where you should be able to recruit. Auburn, you should be able to recruit better than he did. We've seen you can we can recruit and win at Auburn. Yes. We've seen that. It's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it's happening right now. Derek Kellogg, same thing. Like You should be able to get players. Bruiser Flint should have been able to get, keep the ball rolling at UMass more than he did. 
Josh Pastner, you were at Memphis for God's sake. Although still a, a weird cultural hire. <laughs> that was odd. I don't know if Josh Pastner going to inner city Memphis and trying to get those five-star <laughs> kids was the best thing that they could have done, but it didn't work out. Didn't help, didn't help Cal took the entire recruitment. Plus, I, I, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The, the whole getting players thing, and I understand that that's been the whole selling point. Let's not act like, and this is what I told Trevor yes, on yesterday's show, let's not act like Louisville has not made a career out of beating teams with really good players and bad coaching. Yeah. How, how many yeah. NBA All-Stars has Louisville put out of tournaments over the years? You know, like, it's, it's nice to get players. You still got to be able to coach. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, there's not a – you don't win national titles if you don't have some idea of what you're doing. Yeah. You maybe can stumble into a Final Four, maybe. You got to have it. Well, I guess Kevin Ollie might be the exception. I said that, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if he really. But for the most part, if you're going to have sustained success, it can't just be about bringing players in. You've got to know what you what you're doing with them, and hopefully, Kenny Payne is that guy. Yeah. Uh, Texas says, didn't know if you heard, former Stanex Tiger Jimmy Just will be inducted to the Manual High School Hall of Fame on April 24th. Shout out to Jimmy Just, love him. Go Rams, go Tigers. Texas says, not sure if I'm going to listen today, but assuming I do. <laughs> I can't read. It's a Kentucky fan. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't read it. I can't. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. Bend you over. I, I, I can't. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Texas said, I'm just here for the Peacocks athletic sports talk. Well, we all are. Texas says, the Calipari is a hell of a defensive coach angle is missing me. Well, I, I like the system. Terry said, earlier this week, I was down on Kenny Payne, but after seeing that picture with Crum in Houston along with that press conference, has me excited for the future. It's a great day, boys. I've seen that reaction more today than even I thought I was going to. Right. A lot of people who are like, eh, like I, this guy wasn't my first, second, third choice even. But after the last 24 hours, seeing Denny Crum, seeing Wade Houston, seeing all these players, seeing, I think it's helped that everybody speaks glowingly about his character. At the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses. But when you're winning, it's even better when you have a guy, a human being, that you feel good about rooting for. Right. And Kenny Payne coming out there and saying things along the lines today of when you do the right things over and over and over in life, good things are going to happen to you. Like, that's what you want to hear. Now, is it going to work out? There's no guarantees. But if it does, it's the perfect marriage. Did, did it help you on a short term that, you know, on a day yesterday we're, when we're, you know, welcoming Kenny Payne and waiting for the plane, the two of the guys that we used the examples of kind of the – I don't want you to say anti-Kenny Payne, but the argument, the devil's advocate against Kenny Payne being Juwan Howard and Anthony Hardaway both get wins on the tournament yesterday. Juwan I mean, that, Howard. That, and then the short term, does that make you feel a little more positive? Juwan Howard, yes. Penny Hardaway, no, because that was that team has – you watch them play, they have absolutely no coaching. Like they had that game put away in the first half, and they did everything they could to let Boise State back in, <laughs> and Boise State just refused to make any sort of shots. Like, well, not all of us had the day off yesterday. Some of us were doing radio during that game. I was, I was working. <laughs> I was working during that game. <laughs> Jawan Howard, I think, absolutely knows what he's doing. Penny Hardaway, I, I don't think he does. It's just, it's, it's a case by case thing. Like we'll find out how much Kenny Payne knows what he's doing once he starts coaching these games. But does it make me feel a little bit better that we're seeing Mike Woodson too? I mean, he was floundering for it seemed like the end of the year. They make the NCAA tournament because they win two big-time games in the Big Ten tournament. They win a first four game, and they get fed to the Wolves yesterday. And I think you can – I don't think you can chalk up all of it to the travel stuff, but playing five games in seven days, flying out of Dayton Tuesday morning to Portland, Oregon, to play a game on Thursday night. I guess it was Wednesday morning when they flew out. It's it's understandable why they might look a little bit tired. Hey, Celine Holloway's – I mean, he's third year, but his first coaching job at St. Peter's. 
He is. Not his alma mater, but hey, it's in New Jersey, the same place as his alma mater. And also, you expect guys at St. Peter's for that to be their first coaching job. More than likely. You would think. But he clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, Texas said, Cal did realize that it's too late to tank for the Louisville job, right? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Texas said, I remember being 10 and having the John Tong starting lineups memorized and hearing Laurel, Mississippi mentioned today just brought it all back. I think there are a lot of people. Like, that's... That's one element of today that I just don't I don't have a connection with because I was too young when Kenny Payne was actually here. Right. But seeing so many people who were fans when Kenny Payne played here, all those memories come from me. It's like if if 15 years from now, Russ Smith were named the head coach or 20 years from now, I guess, would be more right. of it, if Russ Smith was named the head coach. Like, yeah, like all those feelings would come flooding back. And, and I'd be like, damn, like ridiculous, the bunny ears, like all that. <laughs> like all those good vibes would come back. And, and to see that with other Louisville fans, I think was pretty cool today. Um. By the way, Miami. This is an amazing game. Miami had a five. Uh, the, we're watching the Miami seven, USC like a game. Ago, yes, yeah. they, they were up five with about thirty-five seconds left, and they have uh, allowed USC to get back in the game. They just got fouled with three seconds left. SC has the ball with three seconds. They're going to have to have a one shining moment to get Wouldn't this have been thing. Worst thing in the world to miss that free throw. It's long. Oh, oh my goodness! Miami hangs on. Wow. My final four team. I called it when the bracket came out. Whoever wins this game is going at least to the regional Yeah, my final. second Sweet 16 team is now eliminated. It's not a bad pick. It's, wow. I felt the same exact way a few years ago when Loyola went to the Final Four because I was like, if Miami wins, I think they're going to the Elite Eight, but I don't like this matchup for them. So I picked Loyola to win and go to the Sweet 16. They ended up going to the Final Four. But it, this is how NCAA tournament works. Like right. You can like a team's long-term prospects but just not like that first game. And it's kind of how I feel about U, uh, USC. If they just got a, if they win this one, I think they win two more. That reminds me of that Butler shot, the uh, to, to win the, the national Hayward championship, shot. the Gordon Hayward shot, like Very literally similar. almost exact, like off the backboard, hits the front of the rim. It was almost carbon copy of the Gordon Hayward. Very similar. <laughs> uh, all right, folks, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have to get out of here. We're gonna take a break. I'm gonna let Rashawn and Trevor bring us home today. I gotta get out here and do some more work. I'm whatever. Coffee cup number sixteen is coming your way. Hardest working man in show business, right there. At least for like three weeks. That's (laughs) that's about it. That's about it. Uh, Big thanks to everybody who texted in today. You're in good hands for the next uh, twenty minutes or so. Kenny Payne era is here. We got women's basketball in about twenty five minutes, kicking off their national championship run. They're going to beat down Albany. It's going to be a beautiful night. Let's get this thing going. Good times are here. Better days are here. And I'll be back on Monday. Thirty more minutes of Rashawn and Trevor coming your way next. It's the Mike Rutherford Show on fourteen fifty The Big X. You know, Trevor, when Kentucky lost last night, I was sitting at home. I was watching it. I was telling my son, son, I think it's going to happen. And he was like, Dad, it's not going to happen. It's just, that's just too perfect. I was like, yeah, you're probably right, but I think it's going to happen. And, you know, I was sitting in the house. I wasn't planning on doing much of anything last night. And Kentucky lost. I was like, you know what? 
I'll be back. It's time to hit the town. Where'd you go? <laughs> I went out to one of my favorite watering holes, a little sports bar um, down uh, Breckenridge Lane, not too far from where we are right now, a little right. spot called Jocks. So I went out I there. Jocks, yeah. yeah went, went out there. It was a good time. Uh, I, apparently, there, there was a bunch of empty tables when I first walked in, and I figured, you know, St. Patrick's Day, it's going to be popping. You know, it's Kentucky game night, St. Patrick's Day. I thought it was going to be a billion people. They said, yeah, that's where all the Kentucky fans were sitting. They all just went home sad <laughs> by the time I got there. But it, a good it's time a was had by you. you don't live anywhere near Jocks. I know. Oh, no. I'm all the way on the other. I really like that place. Oh, it's, oh absolutely. It's, a, it's it's one of my favorite spots. It's one of, one of the places. If I'm not out somewhere in the city singing karaoke, then that's probably where you'll find me at. <laughs> okay. Hanging out. Um, But uh, first of all, I just want to once again thank, thank Mike uh, for allowing me to pop in today i feel trevor i feel like today is like how the avengers feel when they team up with one of the other avengers you know what i'm saying to do like a secret mission you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what today felt like. Oh, somehow I feel like I'm Aquaman in this scenario. <laughs> Is he an Avenger? I don't even know. No, no you're uh, you're Coulson. That's who you are. You're Phil Coulson. He's Coulson. You know, I don't know who that is. You know, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, the like uh, Nick Fury's right-hand man. You know what I'm saying? He was the dude that... No, what? You don't know... You don't know event. You don't know Marvel. I've never watched an Avenger. I've never seen an Avenger movie. Really? Yeah. That is probably the most shocking I thing. I don't can't... move the needle for me. Really? I like a couple of the individuals. Like I liked Ant Man, the first one. The, yeah. The other one, sequel sucked, but I liked the first one. I liked the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, no, I hated Fraggle Rock. That movie sucked. <laughs> Fraggle. I tried to watch that like ten minutes. That movie. I was like, if you, if they, how anybody can defend? Like, make fun of Batman and Robin and then defend this movie. As <laughs> That's what it was. It was a modern version of Batman and Robin to me. <laughs> Horrible movie. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, I've never been a Thor guy. And, yeah, the Avenger stuff, I just never really get really? into. Really? Wow. Yeah, well, Phil Coulson was, like, the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. He was, like, the guy who was always popping in and making sure everybody was held down and together. You know, you being the producer, you holding it down to make sure everything's together. You know, Phil Coulson, man. I'm more of a Netflix Daredevil guy, Jessica Jones. Oh, guy. yes, sir. Hey, I was very happy to see that uh, uh, Daredevil made it, made the port over um, to the current uh, universe of you know Marvel, so that was awesome. So yes, I'm a big Daredevil fan. Jessica Jones, uh, Luke Cage, all those, absolutely. Uh, but uh, I wanted to go ahead and, and like I said, big thanks to Mike for letting me back in. But I did want to hit a few more tests. We had so many texts today that were just flying in, and you know me and Mike running our mouths all day. We didn't get to some of them, but there are some good questions in here. One of those being uh, somebody asked, um, do, "Will will uh, World Wide West be part of the staff?" Um, Part of staff, no, but he'll be, I'm sure, connected to the, the team now in some way. He'll definitely be a friend of the program, but it was very, I feel like they went out of their way to mention West as part of the Knicks organization. Like they said it several times of talking about James Dolan and talking about uh, William Wesley and trying to make that correlation between Wesley as a member of the Knicks staff and management. Um, so to me, it sounds like worldwide. Is he? Um, yes. Uh, yeah, he, he's uh, employed by the Knicks okay. uh, currently. Um, so I, I personally think West is going to stay with the Knicks it sounds like he has a pretty sweet gig up there but he'll definitely be helping out you know he'll he'll do his worldwide west thing I don't know if you all know this but even when he didn't really have a job he was still making things move like that's what he does so I don't think that him being employed by the Knicks is going to hinder his ability to help Kenny Payne in whatever needs he may have. I'll just put it like that. Um, so I don't think that you'll see worldwide on staff, uh, but I do think that he'll be a big influential part of things moving forward. You'll probably uh, see him at a game at some point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll definitely be around, especially, um, you know, once uh, – 
the the Knicks uh, season is over. I think you may even see him in town uh, this summer. Um, he may actually get out, go out on some of these recruiting visits or trips or wherever else uh, with Kenny. I wouldn't be surprised to see that at all. Um, another texter on here says, um, if Louisville chose someone else uh, as coach, would UK have grabbed Kenny Payne after Coach Cal retires? What do you think about that, Trey? Uh, who knows? Because who knows what, what, when Kazakh is going to retire and where can they would be at that point. That's true. So, well, I, I've heard some UK people said that you know if Kenny Payne has success, then you know of course UK could just swoop in and take him from. Louisville. That ain't happening. I, I yeah, I, I blatantly uh, disagree with that one. <laughs> like yeah, that, that ain't happening. It's like, come on, man, please. Um, let's see. Uh, Texter says. Um, uh, <laughs> Oh, that's not, I don't think that one's for us. He says, I read the, the Nike and Adidas comment uh, talking about Kenny Payne. I uh, uh, said uh, to be him laying a subtle dig at Adidas, meaning be prepared to take care of us even more so because I got options. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really take it like that. Like, I took it as, you know, don't worry about my recruiting ability because, you know, yes, I'm a Nike guy and yes, I have associations, but I also have associations with Adidas. So, you know, I'm not worried. I mean, that's at least the way I took it. Is that, is that? Yeah. I mean, he's also a little guy who coached at UK. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, he, he looks, keep his toes in all, all different pools. No, I agree with that. I I think that that I don't, I don't think, think it was, was a dig. dig. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's a dig. I know somebody also asked if uh, if there's a future uh, in you know with Louisville as a Nike school. I just don't see that ever no, happening. No. Nike does not pay nearly as much as what Adidas pays. They will never pay as much as what Adidas is paying Louisville currently um, to be the the primary outfitter. And also, Nike uh, only outfits for I believe it's men's basketball. Uh, women's basketball as a as a combination or either men's basketball and football but adidas literally outfits every sports team at the university of louisville nike doesn't do that they don't do their contracts um covering the umbrella of all their sports department uh, which is one of the big exclusive things that adidas has with louisville in their deal um they're not going to give that up with the money that they pay louisville like i said they have a top 10 apparel deal like Overall, I'm not talking about, you know, that when we're talking about this, we're talking about Alabama. We're talking about Notre Dame. We're talking about Michigan. Louisville's playing in those waters. And when you're playing in those waters, you're not giving up that money. Like Louisville's apparel deal dwarfs Kentucky's apparel deal. Like by double, I want to say, or close. So that's not going away. Louisville's not giving away that money, especially um, with the financial hardships that the university's been under with all of the buyouts and uh, you know all the coaches that they had to be paying. I don't think they're going to really be in the uh, business of giving away money. Um, so I, I don't see that happening. Um, let me see. This one says, uh, Texter says, I hope Kenny's recruiting pitches. Um, who cares what the NCAA hands down um, or what you've heard, you come here, excel, and you'll be a king. Well, I mean, you know, I think there's truth to that. Like, I've always thought that NCAA success, while back in the day that used to be a really big thing, but never as big as what people thought, since the beginning of time, the biggest deciding factor for kids going to a school is, can, is this a place where I can go and the guy get me to the next level? How can this program help me get to the NBA? 
Like, that's always been the thing, is can this guy get me to the NBA? That's why a guy like Anthony Edwards goes to Georgia, is because he has the relationship, and, you know, he's from the state. So, you know, I'm sure there's some definitely some uh, NIL before NIL that had to do with that as well. But it's all about, can I get the stage to be able to do what I need to do to get to the next level? That's what it's all about. So, I mean, I think that Kenny Payne will be able to get players, even if um, Louisville's staring down the barrel of um, – Restrictions. Even if they they don't have a tournament, I don't think it's going to matter that much. I mean, it may maybe with the elite of the elite, but most of these kids making the tournament or having tournament success is a very very secondary motivation for going to school. It's all about getting to the to the league. I think with some it is, but I think with some others, it's it's also a contributing factor. I mean, the bottom line is, yeah, you want you're going in to probably want to be a professional basketball player because. More often than not, that's you know what you're going to, to high level college to do to begin with. Mm-hmm. Despite what's against somebody telling us that they go up pro in something other than sports. Yeah. Uh, but I still think it does matter to some. Now to somebody like uh, Edwards or you know maybe a Trey Lance, uh, Trey, Lan- um, Trey Lance, but um, uh, what's his name? Uh, not Trey Lance, uh, Oklahoma guard. Trey uh, Trey Young. Trey Young. Thank you. I don't mm-hmm. have, I've got football on my mind. So yeah. <laughs> I got Trey Lance on my mind. Uh, but Trey Young, you know, in, in certain scenarios like that, you know, Ben Simmons, yeah, I'm sure it didn't matter as much. But I think in some it still does. I mean, look at a guy. I mean, I'm going, I'm aging myself up with this, but look at like a, you know, a, a Booker who you know could have gone to Missouri and been you know the right. guy and. Instead, he decided to be kind of the second fiddle at Kentucky and try to win a championship. I mean, see, but I think that was more about Coach Cal gets guys to the NBA. Like, I, I think Coach Cal is, you know, Coach Cal is seen as the Willy Wonka with the golden ticket. Like everybody, you know, the, the in in recruiting circles, kids look at Coach Cal as I go to Kentucky, I'm going to the NBA. Um, and, and I think that's his. That's always been his pitch since he's been at Kentucky. Is you come here, I can't hide you. But you know, I got Daniel Orton drafted. You know, what I'm saying I got Dakari Johnson drafted. And when you can get them bums drafted, you know, <laughs> what what do you think I can do for you? You know, I mean, I I really and truly think that's what um, it, it, it's all about. I mean, because we've seen really great players go to some weird, odd, terrible schools uh, over our lifetime. So if they were really invested in winning championships, they wouldn't be going to, you know, Michael Beasley wouldn't be going to Kansas State. You know, I mean, because, yes, Kansas State, uh, they, they had like one and a half good ball players there. So they were able to make a tournament, but they weren't going to make a run. I mean, so I, I think that it's much more about their own personal growth and their own personal success and what they can achieve for themselves personally than it has anything to do with winning championships. And I know that Kenny Payne said that one of the big things uh, that he wants to look for in players is that the, the selfless attitude of being about the team, being about yourself, having goals, um, but being about the team as well. So it'll be interesting to see the type of person I is. I want to see who he's going to recruit. Like I, I am all about everybody – um, who's followed me for any amount of time knows that I started my career on, on the recruiting trails. Like I was one of those people that was in uh, at an AAU camp at 8 a.m. watching players play, and I would be there all day from 8 a.m. to midnight watching players. Uh, that, that's something that I just thrived off of. I was was getting out there watching the stars of tomorrow, watching guys like LeBron James and Greg Oden uh, when I first started. Uh, you know that that's that's what got me excited. So I'll be interested to see what Kenny Payne does uh, on those recruiting trails. I would expect um, that, you know, if Louisville was to gain traction with Sky Clark, that would be something that would be heard rather quickly. I I feel that, um, you know, probably – 
before we hear much on the recruiting trails, I feel like we'll hear about the coaching staff. I know that Coach Payne said he wants to take his time putting his staff together, but at the same time knowing that they are, are under um, a bit of a time crunch because you do have the first live period um, for the spring, I believe, is the second week in April. Um, so, I mean, that's only, what, about three weeks out. So, I mean, you know, they, they, they got to get it going quickly, but um, I think we will hear – coach decisions or coach announcements uh, before we really start hearing about any recruits uh, out there. I know that they want to hit the ground running for the 2023 class, of course, DJ Wagner being at the top of that, um, but we're going to just have to wait and see uh, what direction uh, they go. But I mean, it's definitely exciting times, Trevor. Um, you know, what was there anything with the, with the press conference that, that stuck out with you or that you took away from it that you didn't know before that, that you didn't think of before something else to get you excited that maybe you weren't excited about before that you are now mm, um, no nothing only you all have covered already yeah 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 i mean i think it was pretty straightforward i, I don't think we it was anything was earth shattering um you know i i think that he did an awesome job everybody seems to be super excited about it um you know and we'll just have to see from there i think that the news will start to come out quickly um i don't know when the first uh, coaching dominoes will fall i know that they said that there was and i don't you know i don't know if this is actually true or not but somebody said that you know duke has um specialized t-shirts on that they sell on their websites for all types of different things and apparently nolan smith had a t-shirt a themed t-shirt uh, on the duke uh, online store that is now no longer available so um you know maybe that speaks to Uh-oh. yeah nolan smith uh maybe uh, coming official uh, sooner rather than later, which would be awesome. I think that would be a huge spot. I've been trying to spy on what kids have, he has committed. So uh, we'll have to see about that. But that's the next big thing. Assistant coaches bring players. Players bring success. So that'll be next. But uh, I know we're in our last minute. We're about to get on out of here. Trevor, thank you so much for all that you do behind the board. Always fun, my man. You know what I'm saying? Mike, appreciate you. Shout out. This is the Mike Rutherford Shore Show. Big Exports Radio, 96.1 FM, and we'll be back next week, y'all. Celebrate good times. Come on. Let's celebrate. There's a party going on right here. A celebration to last throughout the years So bring your good times and your laughter too We gon' celebrate your party with you Come on now